Recording in progress. Good morning. We're going to start the Board of Supervisors meeting for uh, Tuesday, February 27th. Would the clerk please take the roll? Supervisor Halbert? Present. Supervisor Marquez? Present. Supervisor Tam? Present. Supervisor Carson, excuse President Miley? Here. Uh, would you all join me in the Pledge of Allegiance? Board of Supervisors welcomes you to its meetings. The board allows in-person and remote observation and participation by members of the public at its meetings. County of Alameda recognizes the important and invaluable role of public participation in government. Be reminded that disruptive conduct that renders orderly conduct of the meeting unfeasible will not be tolerated. This includes disruptive conduct that may occur through public comment. The chair will order the removal of individuals who are willfully disrupting the meeting so that the meeting may continue in an orderly manner. For those attending the meeting in person, if you would like to speak to an item on the agenda or during public input, please submit a speaker card to the clerk so your name can be called to speak at the appropriate place on the agenda. The clerk will now provide brief instructions on how to verbally participate in public comment through online teleconferencing. Detailed instructions are provided in the teleconferencing guidelines. A link to the document is included in today's agenda. If you are joining the meeting using a computer, use the button at the bottom of your screen to raise your hand to request to speak. When called to speak, please unmute your microphone and state your name. If you are calling in, dial star 9 to raise your hand to speak. When you are called to speak, the host will enable you to speak. If you decide not to speak, notify the clerk when your call is unmuted, or you may simply hang up and dial back into the meeting. As a reminder, you may always just observe the meeting without participating by clicking on the View Now link on the county's webpage at acgov.org. When called, you will have two minutes to speak. Please limit your remarks to the time allocated. Public comment will generally alternate between in-person and online speakers as determined by the president of the board and subject to overall time limit. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, this morning, we or today, we have um, interpreters for our meeting, interpreters in both Spanish and Mandarin. So they will now um, provide these instructions in those uh, languages. Thank you, Supervisor Miley. Hello, everyone. This is Sandy, your national contact. We have a Spanish and Mandarin interpreters for this meeting, and you will be able to listen each language on the corresponding channel. Mercedes, please go ahead with the Spanish instructions. Yes, good morning. I will give Spanish instructions right now. Buenos días. Soy el intérprete al español. Voy a estar dando las instrucciones para participar en español. Esto es para las personas asistiendo a la reunión presencialmente. Asegúrese de tener la aplicación de Zoom instalada en su teléfono inteligente y tener conexión al Internet. Favor de usar audífonos con su dispositivo para no interrumpir la sala de reunión. Abra la aplicación de Zoom e ingrese a la reunión con el número 982 7149 
10.41. Haga clic en la esquina con los tres puntitos, seleccione interpretación, haga clic en el idioma que desee escuchar, en este caso español, y opcional para escuchar solo el idioma interpretado, haga clic en silenciar audio original. Muchísimas gracias. Thank you so much, Cindy. Thank you, Mercedes. Pichin, please go ahead with the Mandarin instructions. Yes. Uh, 欢迎大家参加我们今天的会议我们今天的会提供普通话国语的翻译服务那如果你是用Zoom进来的话 打进Zoom的话呢，你会看到啊，就是屏幕上有三个点，啊，那同样的你点进去，然后看到口译的这个功能，然后再选择语言，就是Chinese，就是中文。啊，那么如果你是用电话打打进来的话，我们电话会议的
on international issues, then we should take them or we should discuss why we're not doing it as opposed to uh, mobilize, having people being mobilized to come here on their issues that affect them directly and on and international issues that affect them indirectly. Can, can I ask a question? Um, I want to make sure I understood the comment. So it was 70.2, 70.3, and 70.4. Is that correct? Those three items? Okay. Um, so procedurally, can anyone make that request? Does it need to be a motion? What if everyone, if there's not agreement? Just help me understand procedurally how we your, navigate this. Your board operating procedures allow, um, as a matter of course, for um, a member to continue an item up to two regular meetings. I can double check it quickly. I think there is a procedure that allows that to be overridden, but that requires um, a motion. Did you want to address that, Supervisor Halbert? Or? I just believe my understanding of our protocols is that it can be overridden by four-fifths of the board. I guess that would be requiring a motion and a second and four-fifths uh, override. And what I understand our protocols to be. Yeah. My, my comments are not about whether a board member has the ability to pull an item or not. I respect that right, personally. I think a person should have the right to do that. Uh, I, I think that um, around the issues that we have direct responsibility for um, and people uh, that are affected by our decisions directly, um, many of us, myself included, are very blessed to have a stable home. And a lot of people don't have that. And so when they hear that the Board of Supervisors is taking up issues that might uh, affect them directly in terms of the stability about their home, uh, that's very personal and that's very impactful. And when we uh, continue to say, oh, we're going to discuss it, and no, we're not going to discuss it, we're going to discuss landlords being compensated or not compensated, that affects them as a business person. And, um, you know, I think that if we're going to be pulling these items, if there was anything to be uh, considered it for in the future, we might want to go on the record while we're pulling them. So we are saying why we are pulling the item at this time. But I respect the fact that a board member can be able to do it. I'm really, I'm really uh, not, um, I, I really am concerned um, on a consistent basis um, that the politics that takes place in Washington, D.C., is starting to be the kind of politics we're playing at the Board of Supervisors in Alameda County. Okay. Um, so I wasn't expecting this, so I and I, I know a lot of people want to weigh in on these issues, um, two of which have been discussed for years. So because of that, I am going to make a motion to override the continuance of 70.2, 70.3, and 70.4. Is there a second? Uh, is there a second to that motion? Okay. Hearing no second, the motion is not before us. And I, I just want to state... I personally, over the last week, had been 
contact it. I didn't solicit it. I don't think our staff mobilized against it about it. Personally contacted by people who were being impacted by housing. I've had several uh, conversations. I know that there's a lot of people who were here from all of us and none, and I know that that was a part of that contact that I got from Dorsey directly regarding the stabilization of people's housing. And it does appear to people who may be challenged around their, their living conditions and their housing conditions that we're playing games around that here at the Board of Supervisors. I'm not, and I want to go on the record. I can't speak for anybody else, but I'm not. Yeah, I just want to say I, I didn't second the motion just because the Board has a longstanding um, policy of allowing a member to pull an item and as, as Supervisor Carson pointed out, if we want to um, either alter that policy, have a reason associated with that policy, et cetera, then I think that's something the board should take up in its operating procedures. Because I would hate for me to come forward and want to continue an item and then the board override my um, desire to continue an item because I think that's a slippery, a slippery slope. So that's why I didn't second the motion that's before us, even though I'd like to hear these three items today. But I'm respecting uh, the longstanding operating procedures of the board since I've been here. Supervisor Halbert. Yeah, I'm just following our procedures. It's procedures that each, uh, most of us anyway, have used exactly the same procedure in exactly the same way, and I'm just following them. So um, thank you. All right, any other board comments? Okay, so now we will now take public comment on items on the agenda, except for items listed at 11 o'clock, 1 o'clock. Let's see now. Items at 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock have been, have been pulled, I mean, have been continued. So we won't be taking comments on those. Is that right, County Council? That is correct. You, can, you will not be taking them because they will not be um, heard. They've been continued to a, another meeting. If people want to comment, they can comment at the end of the meeting during right. items not on the agenda because they're not on this agenda any longer. Okay. So we'll be taking public comment on agenda items on the agenda except for items listed at 11 o'clock and 1 o'clock. Public comments on items listed at 11 and 1 o'clock will be taken after the item is called or or. Uh, for presentation and or discussion. Um, the items at uh, 2 and 4 o'clock have been continued. Um, the clerk, uh, do we have any public speakers and items on the agenda that are not listed as 11 o'clock or 1 o'clock matters uh, at, at this time? And then I need to step away from the dais and Supervisor uh, Halbert will be running the meeting for me in my absence while I take care of some other business. Yes, we do have speakers in person and online. We will alternate between them. Please state your name, the city you live in, and which item you are speaking on. You will have two minutes to speak. My name is Simeon Ramey. I'm with the California Oakland Union of Homes for Independent Living. I have been summoned to do homes work from God. 
been doing it for 36 years, seven years in the city, in Alameda County. I fight for the homeless and the poor and dispossessed. It's sad. Charles Barkley came here for the NBA All-Star game and went down to San Francisco and looked around. Came back and said, this is a disgrace to the human race. He's seen poverty, all this. He said, this is homeless corruption. I've been telling y'all they've been stealing money from the people. That's the people out here. These organizations y'all give money to, stop funding them. They ain't doing nothing for the people. Stop funding them. The people suffering anyway, let them suffer. They don't need anybody else to help them suffer. You ain't gonna help them, then leave them alone. They sleep on rooftops downtown. It's bad. It's about more coming. We still fighting poverty from 89 earthquake. I'm still home from 89. I've been in SRO for the last 30 years. And all the rest of them. When they get downtown built, they throwing us out. And they don't matter where we gonna go. They ain't built hoods, they ain't built no problem, property housing in 25 years for us. Where we gonna go? But they taking care of Ukraine down on 14th and Wood, brand new union. I helped that. They live in Mandela Village Gateway on 7th and Union, Mandela. I helped that. The bullet between me and my girlfriend to get that project done. I, I'm not living in them. I'm living on the streets. Like what's it? I'm in Seattle. It's sad what we're going to do. The president here now to make sure y'all do right by the people. He had to come see for himself. He said, Mr. Raymond, I can't believe this. This is a disgrace. All folks eating out of garbage can, homeless. Give our facilities back. Don't blame the doctor. You want to feel right so we can house these people and treat these people. Y'all want to move to shelter for them. We got a women's shelter over there. Y'all want that guy on the street. Thank you for your comment, sir. Thank you. Mindy, you're on the line. Please state your name and the item you are speaking on. Yes, my name is Mindy Petchenuk. And I am a candidate for State Assembly 18 here in Oakland, Alameda, and Emeryville. I'm speaking on item 41, uh, A and B. And I'm speaking to the matter that uh, the fact that we're using the run-back system is very problematic. This has been a problem in other elections, and I don't see why we should give a penny towards this kind of system. Secondly, I want to speak to the question of the fact that we have not corrected the observation process for our elections, which is very disturbing to me. We still cannot uh, hear adequately. We're still behind screens. We're not allowed to see and appropriately observe the ballots. And this is very disturbing to the majority of the Amer American citizens in this district. And thirdly, uh, I just want to say that at this point, uh, you know, everyone on this commission, on this board of supervisors, needs to check and think about their conscience. You just heard the previous speaker speak. Who do I would like an answer? Who do you answer to? Those who give you your paycheck or your voting, you know, your money for your campaigns? Or are you going to respect and listen to the forgotten men and women of this Alameda County who right now there are solutions that would definitely work? And it's time for you to work with us to make those solutions happen. That's what I'd like to say for today. Thank you. Christopher Pryor. 
Please state your name and the item you're speaking on. Item 6A. Good morning, everybody. Keith, I want to ask you a question. You said the politics is playing games. What game are you playing? We missing $20 million since 1997 right here in Alameda County for the homeless. Where is it? Did it help build your home? Did it help build the, the skating ring? What did it help with the rich? Because it didn't help the poor. We still out here scratching. I heard you when you said play. Play is a serious word. You shouldn't be playing with the citizens and the people that are raised and born here in Oakland, California. You shouldn't be playing with our lives. You're talking about Gaza Strip. What about Broadway Strip? What about East 14th Strip? What about Bancroft? What about your people that's right here, Carson? Y'all keep worrying about Palestine, all these other places. What about right here? We the ones suffering. You go home to a $100,000 house every day or an apartment or whatever you go to a condo. But I dare you even say words play when we out here homeless on the street struggling every day. The programs that y'all funding with this money, they don't even give us gift cards. They stealing the money. They giving it to their families for the holidays. And the people in the program suffer. They get garbage food. Every time I eat, I get diarrhea. All night long, I've been up to the bathroom because of the food that they feed us. You don't even want to fund my good food program. You standing in the way of me getting what I need. Get out the way. If you ain't going to help, get out the way. Because I'm telling you, God is coming and he's going to whoop everybody that's in our way. Because he freed us from Egypt and he will free us from here. Oh, my word. Carolyn, you're on the line. Please state your name and the item you are speaking on. Hi, my name is Carolyn Carpenter. I'm a family child care provider in Oakland, California, where I have lived for uh, over 40 years. And I am on the line to ask the Board of Supervisors to please release the ARPA money. We in child care have been hurting and you are holding on to this money that we desperately need. We were open during the pandemic. We put our lives at risk. We kept kids safe. I did not have a COVID case until July 2022 because of all the extra hours I put in cleaning toys every day. And I am financially hurting and you have the ability to help us and you are holding on to money that we desperately need. You need to make a task force from the community to get that money out to the community because it is not only childcare that is hurting, but people who need housing, people who need food. And it is appalling that you are holding this federal money and you need to be spending it. Thank you. Cindy, you're on the line. Please state your name and the item you're speaking on. Jackie, you're on the line. Please state your name and the item you're speaking on. Thank you. I'm speaking on item 41. Um, I'm in complete disagreement with any additional money being sent as far as maintaining these systems until 
the actual the board of supervisor actually gets serious about correcting the situations we have with observations. We attended the logic and accuracy test yesterday. First thing we were told when we walked in is that we had to lock up our phones. That's not transparent. I can't contact with my team who's who's reviewing stuff virtually if I have to lock up my phones. Not only that, having a phone and using a phone is allowed by law, election code. Why is it that now the, the ROV is being less transparent and providing much more uh, stringent rules when this is supposed to be an open election and transparent? We weren't provided the summary report that should have told us what the expected outcome of the logic and accuracy test. We asked for it, we were denied. Also, they were, we were told that the ICX ballot tabulating machines had been tested prior to yesterday and they were deployed. That is incorrect. Nothing on the calendar ever states that the ICX machines were tested, only the high-speed scanners. They only tested one scanner yesterday. And by the way, we as the Republican Party, as we went in and represented, we are allowed to ask questions. We were denied questions. We were ignored and even Tim Dupuy got up and walked out afterwards and would not ask or answer our questions. Not only that, the ranked choice voting was not even tested. Why didn't the ROV, after the problems we had, test the ranked choice voting algorithm? That is unacceptable. We have lots of problems. It's time for you to get involved. Doug, Big, Big Z, item 28. I'll find it sooner. Good morning, members of the board. My name is Doug Biggs. I'm the executive director of the Alameda Point Collaborative in Alameda, California. It's a permanent supportive housing program for homeless families that was created out of the Base Closure Act back in 1999. Out of 40,000 properties in the United States that would have qualified, only 81 have been converted into actual uh, homeless programs. It, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, extremely rare. And we are grateful for getting that uh, accommodation of 200 units of housing that we've turned into a very robust community. But it was Old Navy housing, and it's, it's served its time. It's been very difficult to maintain. We've been working for a few years with the city of Alameda on a reshape project, which will rebuild our existing supportive housing and build an additional 109 units of homeless housing, which is, as you all know, is so desperately needed. The, in order to accomplish this process, we entered into LBAs with the county and the city uh, back in 1999. Those LBAs, legally binding agreements, now need to be changed and, and released so that we can get this new housing. We are turning over a 59-year lease of the land to permanent ownership. So this is a huge, unheard of opportunity. Um, but it takes some uh, bureaucracy to be able to unwind those LBAs and convert those into deeds of trust for the new housing. The item 28 is, is asking that the authority to do that be delegated to the housing, uh, the HCD director, um, Michelle Starrett. And there's nobody better qualified, not only in this, in this chamber, but in the county, likely in the country, to do that because she was involved in the original uh, accommodations to begin with and really led the effort to ensure that this was a, a three-party effort, ourselves, the county, and the city, and that we each could hold each other accountable. 
which we have for years, and it's been wonderful. But now is the time to release that and give the authority to the AC to, to negotiate that process. To clarify, sir, 200 current units, this would rehab and also add 109. Correct. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you. John, you're on the line. Please state your name and the item that you're speaking on. Uh, John Guerrero, Fremont, item 41. Um, run back. I, I spent the last several years you know, in, in election integrity, not, not only here locally, but, you know, in other states, following everybody across the nation. And there's, there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, garbage out there. So it takes a while to, to figure this all out. But, you know, among the, the credible people, Runbeck is the nastiest four letter word you could come up with. Runbeck is not trusted by anybody. Um, in, in the, the, I'm not sure you follow the the uh, lawsuits happened in Maricopa County, but Runbeck is, is out of actually Fremont, Phoenix, and they handle you know the papers and apparently other things at Maricopa County. The during that trial, the there's a lot of stuff that was suppressed that would not be allowed into evidence. But one of the things, and so one one of the things that the lawyer for Carrie Lake actually tweeted out, he said on Twitter that Runbeck has the ability to print those uh, envelopes, and they also have the ability to print signatures on them. And the Dominion machines, when they scan, or not Dominion, but the scanners that scan the uh, those envelopes are only two hundred DPI, and there's no way to tell if that's a real signature or if that's one printed by a printer. And Runback has that capability of not only printing ballots, printing envelopes, and actually stuffing them. They have the capability of actually signing those uh, um, those envelopes. And that's exactly what the software maintenance agreement for Alameda County is, is to maintain that that software. It's bad news. Nancy, item three. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Nancy Harvey, and I'm a child care provider here in Oakland, specifically the West Oakland community. I'm here today to urge our county to our county officials to join us by immediately sharing how much and where the county has spent its federal American Rescue Plan money. We are also calling on the county to support our call to immediately prioritize urgent community needs by obligating ARPA funds to invest in creating a community task force that includes impacted parents and providers. As a child care provider, you know the struggles that we have had. And we are currently still struggling as child care providers here in the county. Many of our providers have closed due to the lack of funds. We are urging this county to go ahead and release funds to child care providers, to parents who are in dire need of child care, and to residents who are in need of housing. This is absolutely 
upsetting to hear this. I was called this morning to get over here. I, I left my little cuties to come over here to just share this outrage that I have. There is no excuse. Do we need to go to Barbara Lee and say, this? you fought for these funds and this is what our county is doing? This is ridiculous. Come on, Alameda County, I know you can do better than this. We expect better than this. Please provide for your constituents, your community who are in dire need of assistance. Thank you so much. Cindy, you're on the line. Please state your name and the item you're speaking on. Uh, good morning, Cindy Rocha, San Leandro, and I'm speaking on um, page one of the agenda, existing litigation, item D, which uh, has to do with a, a brand new case filed regarding primarily around uh, dirty voter roll in Alameda County. Um, as we all know, election day is on Tuesday, March 5th, next Tuesday. Um, nobody's talked about that yet. We've alluded to it, but it's on Tuesday and a bunch of people have already turned in their ballots and probably a handful of people have actually gone into the vote centers. These vote centers are open um, 11 days before the election and they're, they're, they're fully staffed, but yet only a handful of people trickle in. This is, this is one example of why the, the Voters Choice Act is ridiculous, a, a, a ludicrous use of county funds. Now, these vote centers are open, but they're not being fully utilized. They need to be done away with, return to precinct voting. The, uh, the gentleman that spoke before, Mr. Christopher Pryor, he, 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 he said something that really struck me and that really speaks to the heart of the matter, which is elections have consequences. Okay, we have, we have a lack of auditing procedures in this county, $20 million that are being squandered gift cards that are being given away, not to the people who most need them, but to um, in-house, internally. These, these gift cards are being uh, handed out like candy uh, by the very people that are supposed to be overseeing a very important program that the poorest of our community rely on. And so I would ask you to please, as a board of supervisors, you have the ability to change this whole Voters' Choice Act. You can do away with it and not worry about this anymore. Let's return to precinct voting. Patricia, you're on the line. Please state your name and the item you're speaking on. Good morning, my name is Patricia Beebe. I'm speaking on um, item number 41. On the attachment for item number 41 in reference to uh, Runbeck, it says the Registrar of Voters has been using Data Information Management Systems, Inc., DIMS Net, since 1990. In 2006, your board approved the Registrar of Voters to enter into a contract procurement, uh, contract number 516 with DIMS.net. Runbeck recently acquired DIMS.net. Okay, so the situation is like this. We know, and, and if you don't know, you should know, as John Guerrero had spoke earlier, uh, the history of Runbeck many, many issues in the state of Arizona, including um, some very questionable issues regarding the, um, the, uh, the, the, the house chair of Arizona being part owner in that 
uh, run that company. You should also know down at the bottom of your attachment, it says your vision for 2026 goal, the election management system will meet the 10x goal of accessible infrastructure and will support our shared vision of thriving and a resilient population. Um, as of right now, um, I know it has been confirmed that the ROV, uh, Tim Dupuy as the director and his administration are training your poll workers incorrectly in reference to uh, AB 626, which was signed by the governor in October of last year to allow a voter to drop their VBM ballot without an envelope into the non-provisional ballot trolley at the vote centers. Uh, you should know that. I will speak more in detail about that uh, in the general comments. But in in, in terms of Runbeck, um, th these are the systems that Runbeck is going to be. That that's what you're riding on, right? Your poll your poll pad. The ability for a voter to sign in correctly, for our system to log them in correctly. Please do not find another means of having a system. Gerald, you're on the line. Please state your name and the item you're speaking on. Uh, Gerald Petchenuk. I am a candidate for Board of Supervisors to replace... Uh, the retiring Keith Carson in the 5th District. I'm speaking on number 41. Um, what's already been said by people who were there on the scene yesterday is that Mr. Dupuis, I'm going to read you a little comment. Dupuis said yesterday's public logic and accuracy test was a mere show quote unquote, show. It was Potemkin Village. It was a fraud. It was a fake. The secret ballots already were pre-printed. The voting convention used was pre-programmed. Uh, so how can you have someone and in designation B of item 41, it says delegate authority to the registrar of voters to sign and execute agreements. This, you guys are giving a known fraud, a faker, a liar who gets away with anything because no one challenges him. You're giving him carte blanche. That is a big mistake. And that's why the fact that Mr. Dupuis did not abide by the law and is being sued right now for not purging non-citizens from voting could subject you, the Board of Supervisors, even though you're trying to punt, you will be held responsible because this election will be chaos. You didn't even check the ranked choice voting, which created chaos. So... You guys got to get on the job because you are blunking with a capital S. Supervisor Halbert, there are no additional speakers. Very good. Thank you much. In that case, we have um, the next item before us is approval of meeting minutes. Is there a motion to do so? I'll move approval of the minutes. I'll second. Okay. It's been moved to approve minutes from the regular meeting of Tuesday, January 23rd a special meeting of Tuesday, February 6, 2024, and a special meeting on Thursday, February 5th. It's been moved and seconded. Um, any public comment on this item? Seeing none, roll call vote, please. Supervisor Marquez? 
Aye. Supervisor Tam? Aye. Supervisor Carson? Yes. President Miley excused. Supervisor Halbert? Aye. The, that item passes then unanimously. With that, we will move to the next item, which is our closed session. We will resume uh, open session at the uh, conclusion of our closed session. With that, we are adjourned to closed session. Thank you.
Recording in progress. All right, so uh, the board is back from closed session. Apologize, apologize for the lengthy time we were down there, and uh, we have to go back into closed session again. Um, but we're going to reconvene and try to take up the uh, set items as well as of the regular calendar. But we'll do the set items followed by the regular calendar. So if the clerk could take the roll. Supervisor Halbert. Aye. Supervisor Marquez. Present. Sorry, present. Supervisor Marquez, excuse. Supervisor Tam. Present. Supervisor Carson. Present. President Miley. Here. Okay. So we're going to first take up the um, the 11 o'clock set matter, which is a proclamation from Supervisor Carson. Thank you very much. President Miley, today we, the Alameda County Board of Supervisors, in partnership with the Alameda County Nutrition Services Program of the Alameda County Public Health Department, Community Health Service Division, is organizing a month-long campaign in February 2024 known as Happy Heart Month to raise awareness about the importance of knowing your blood pressure numbers and ways to reduce blood pressure for a healthier heart. This is important because data from the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey 2017 to 2020 states that the prevalence of hypertension among U.S. adults 20 years of age and older was estimated to be about 46.7%. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention also reports that African-American adults have higher rates of high blood pressure at 40% 40.3% compared with 27.8% white adults, 27.8% Hispanic adults, and 25% Asian adults. Many cardiovascular diseases in adult actually have their origin during childhood, and uh, pediatric prevalence of hypertension is increasing. The American Heart Association recommends a heart-friendly lifestyle, including regular exercise, stress management, and limiting red meat, sodium salt, sweets, added sugars, and sugar-containing beverages. The Alameda County Public Health Department of the Alameda County Healthcare Agency Agency is committed to preventing chronic disease and addressing health disparities. Alameda County Board of Supervisors support other healthy living campaigns, including Re Rethink Your Drink and Make Your Everyday Healthy Snack Day. Therefore, we proclaim that the County of Alameda Board of Supervisors does hereby recognize the month of February 2024 as Happy Healthy, Health, Healthy Heart Month in the County of Alameda. We'd like to welcome Nori Grusman and Sharaquita Fatima from Alameda County Public Health Department to accept the Healthy Heart Proclamation. And thank you very much for all that you do all the time, not just coming up here for this proclamation. And I'll come down in a second after you speak. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I'm Nori Grossman, and I'm a nutritionist and a program specialist and work in nutrition services for the Public Health Department. Fatima, 
I'm an intern at Public Health Nutrition Service. I'm a physician from India and currently doing my master's in public health. As I continue my uh, work in public health sector, my main goal is to promote uh, primary prevention and health equity. And this campaign has been very special to me as we worked closely with the community to promote awareness about high blood pressure and how it is linked to processed food. So we're really happy to accept this recognition from the Board of Supervisors, and thank you for raising this message up. This is our first Happy Health campaign, informed by community and our partners, and has received an enthusiastic community response. We plan to continue this promoting and improving this Happy Heart campaign every each February. Um, our three messages are check your blood pressure regularly, eat more whole foods, and eat less processed foods. There's more and more data points that, that, sh that show the harm of processed foods because they contain high amounts of fat and sugar and salt. And so think of chicken nuggets versus a roast chicken. Think of uh, apple Pop-Tart versus a regular fresh crisp apple. So the Happy Heart campaign promotes Health Heart. And as you can see from the posters, we have four in four languages. We did this in about three months. Uh, we produced all of this messaging ourselves with the hearts. And, and as you can see, that the heart is filled with fresh fruits and vegetables and fish and grain, and we tried to make it ethnically uh, diverse. You know, you can see here it's not just an apple and an orange. It's a mango and bok choy and uh, uh, lychee, and, and so we wanted to make, make sure that everyone felt like they were seen, right? Um, and so we hope it also inspires you to be role models. We have, um, we want, we would like for you to check your own blood pressure and post a photo of yourself getting a blood pressure screening. And you can tag us at, uh, at dare to be well. Um, and we also want uh, to offer you a bag with a blood pressure, a wrist blood pressure uh, that you can bring home. And, uh, uh, and we have directions on how to use it. And we have a, um, a poster for you to put in your office so you can promote it with your staff. And um, we'll also be at the Bla Black Joy Parade, uh, and there'll be people there with the posters and with information, and, um, and hopefully uh, you can en enjoy it there, too. So thank you very much. I think you should copyright that logo. Did we do that ourselves? You guys, the logo, the heart? We came up with it. Great job. That was, uh, that was one of our staff. Wow. Yeah, very artistic.
Well, thank, thank you. Public health is always keeping us on our toes. Thank you. Are, do we have any speakers on this item? There are no speakers on this item. Okay, thank you. So I wanted to go to the other set matter, uh, the one o'clock set matter, 70.1, but I believe we, we need the sheriff here as well. I think we, we also have another uh, set matter at 11 o'clock. It's a temporary oh, oh, hearing. Oh, we have two, two 11 o'clock set matters? Oh, yes. Okay, let's go to item 70 then. Yes, sorry So about that. Uh, item 70 uh, is a public hearing for the issuance of tax-exempt bonds issued by the California Municipal Finance Authority in a principal amount not to exceed $400 million. Um, this is for a project uh, in, on Vasco Road in Alameda County. Um, the county has no financial obligation, and this is a public hearing. Right, is there a motion to open the public hearing? I'd like to move to open the public hearing. Second. Moved by Carson, second by Tam. Public hearing's open. Do we have any speakers on this item? There are no speakers. I'd like to move to close the public hearing and move the item. Second. Okay, so it's been moved to close the public hearing and also to move the item. Moved by Carson, second by Tam. If you're, no comments or anything from the board. If we could have uh, the roll call, please. Supervisor Halbert? Aye. Supervisor Marquez? Aye. Supervisor Tam? Aye. Supervisor Carson? Yes. President Miley? Yes. <clears throat> yes. Right. Okay. So our, our next set item was uh, 70.1, but the sheriff's not here just yet. I know this will probably be a joint presentation from GSA, the sheriff, and maybe healthcare. So uh, we'll hold on that and go to the, you know, see if we can get a motion on the consent calendar. I'll move approval of today's consent calendar. Second. It's been moved and seconded. Any board comments, questions on consent? Hearing none, if the clerk could call the roll. Supervisor Halbert? Aye. Supervisor Marquez? Aye. Supervisor Tam? Aye. Supervisor Carson? Yes. President Miley? Yes. All right. So let's take up the, um, the mass motion, and then we'll go back to the 1 o'clock set. Uh, President Miley, before you entertain um, the motion, I wanted to announce that item 32 has been pulled. And I also need to read a correction into the record on item 61, which is a public works agency item. And on item 61, uh, there's a clerical error. The reference should be to east count roadways in the East County as opposed to roadways in Castro Valley. But can I ask, why are we pulling item 32? Good afternoon, Supervisor Kimberly Gasway, GSA Director. Item 32 um, needs to be posted on a JPA agenda rather than the board. So we are bringing that forward on March 5th. You're saying it needs to be posted? It needed to be noticed under the Joint Powers Authority taking action. I see. Okay. And so we'll have that at our next regularly scheduled meeting. Okay. All right. So if we could have the, uh, the mass motion. President Miley, I'd like to move approval for items two, three, 
Questions four. on three. Questions on three. Four, five, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, fifteen. Questions on fifteen. Sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-two point one, twenty-three, twenty-three point one, twenty-four, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty, thirty-one, thirty-three. I have questions on 34, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41. I have questions on 41.1. I note questions on that 42, 43, 44, 45, 46. Questions on 46. As do I, 46 questions. 47, 48, 49, 50, 51. Questions on 50. 50. Questions on 50. 51, 52. I have questions on 52. 53, 54, 55, 56. I have questions on. 57, 58, 59. 63, 64, 65, 66, 67, 68. And I have to ask our administrator a question. 60 and 61, should oh, they be included or not? Uh, they should be included. Uh, then I'll also include in the mass and motion. 61 motion. as corrected. 60 and 61 as corrected. That concludes the making okay. of the mass motion. Is there a second? Okay. Mass motion has been moved by Halbert, second by Marquez, and there are a number of questions on various items. Yes. The consent calendar, because it had number 83 on there, this is an explanation. Which, which one? 83. 83? 80 and 83. 80 and 83. Yeah. Um, it, it's just a, a, a comment I want to make on that, if I can. Okay, let's yeah. go back to consent. I, I just comments on 80 and 83. Yeah, um, this has to deal with the CARES First Task Force, uh, which is by, by board action to sunset, be over with completely June 2024. So that comes up in a couple of months. And I know, uh, especially with uh, the appointments that are being here, uh, I want to make sure that all of the appointments that are, that are listed here know that their term sunsets in four, four and a half, five months. Uh, there's no intent to extend this. Uh, it will have completed uh, its original uh, mandate and uh, will have the findings that will be public. And uh, the same thing that goes with the other item 
that deals with uh, the compensation for the outside consultants, um, that that too uh, sunsets and completes uh, its work uh, completely over June of 2024. I just want to underscore that so there's no misconception because um, it appeared as though there could have been a misconception about this being extended to 2026. That's not true. It is 2024, June of this year. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Supervisor Carson. Um, so, yes, so, County Council. You know, you, you took an action, and the action you took is based on what's the agenda. So if the intent is to actually have them end in June, like June 30th of this year, I think you need to, to, to vote to, ch to take a different action than what you've already voted for, because you. Time then, as the um, originator of the program, and as the person who wants to underscore the fact that the program will complete uh, in June of 2024, uh, there is no indication that it should have gone past that. But based on what's in the board's agenda, then I will make that motion. Okay, because I think it was an error on the agenda. Yeah. I have a question though. If if we appointed them through twenty six and the program ends in twenty four, does it really matter? Well, I, I think it's an inconsistency that yeah. will lead to confusion. Okay. And what happens is then you may have people coming back after that saying, "No, no, I was appointed." Mm. It it creates an inconsistency in the record, as if, I mean, someone might attempt, might attempt to argue that the intention, although Supervisor has Carson has said it wasn't, someone may attempt to argue that the intent. And renewing so many people for terms much longer was an intent to continue it. So I think you create a better record by, um, you know, only appointing them to the end of the life of the body. I think that's that avoids confusion in the future. All right. So County Council, there's a motion on the mass motion. It's already on the floor. So should I? What should I do? Should I take? Should I suspend the mass? I mean. We have a motion on the I floor know you have already. A motion on the floor, so um, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm, I'll I'll wait until after that motion is okay. Uh, then we'll come back to and this. then you can come back. Okay, to all right. Okay, can so we, the, um, hold on. It's a consent item, right? Yeah, we've already passed already, consent, and we're going to come back to it after, after we the finish the mass motion, motion, which is on the floor. It was moved by Halbert, second by Marquez. The so, mass motion. The, the mass motion. Yes. Okay, but the consent calendar already has already been voted on. Right. So, Later. Well, oh, I'm sorry. The part that's confusing me with Supervisor Carson's um, comment is that I thought there was an item to um, extend the Care First Jail's last contract by 400000 to increase that amount. And do we need to vote I on that? I believe it was just a, a term extension, I thought. I thought it was a time extension on the item you're referencing only, not adding additional It's time. not an added extension. So when we come back to it after this to clarify, we keep in the context of the discussion, and I'll do that. Sorry. So we'll revisit that after we conclude the mass motion. So we have a mass motion before us, and I think there are a number of items that had questions on them. So if we could take up those, uh, those items with the questions. First one was item three. Supervisor Marquez. Um, yes, thank you. Um, 
On this item, do we know approximately how many um, young adults we plan to serve with this funding, with this programming? Um, thank you for the question, Supervisor Marquez. Andrea Ford, Agency Director for Social Services. Um, unfortunately, I don't have that number today. Um, I can make sure you get that within the next day, the information. Okay, and then once, um, I don't want to hold it up. I think this is important that we provide these services to our transitional age youth. Um, but at what point will we have an update on how effective the program's been? Do we do like six-month review, annual review? Um, we can provide an update at your pleasure. So if you would like a six-month uh, review, an update at the point of six months, we can do that 12 months later, whatever your pleasure is. Okay. Could we do a check-in at six months and then again at the 12 month mark? And you would want that brought to the full board, to a committee? How um, committee like is fine, as, just as long as that information is shared with my office. It would go to the social service committee, I think would be the most appropriate place. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Next. Uh, there was a question on item 13. Item seven. Uh, that would be me. 15 also. Oh, 13 yeah. is the 13, first. 13, Supervisor Tam, and then right. 15. Yeah. Very good. But you skipped 13 in the mass motion, though. Well, you're right. you're that's correct. because we it's not out, taken up yet. We pulled out 6, 13, and 14 due to recusal. It's not taken up yet because um, there will be a recusal, so we'll vote on that after. So you want me to ask motion. the question after? I think we should because otherwise okay. it's not in the mass motion. There was a question on 7. I hadn't noted a question on seven. Is there a question on seven? Anybody have a question on item seven? The next item I have noted as questions is 15. And so I think it was Supervisor Marquez that had a question on 15. Richala's online. Do we have Director Chala's online? She is online. She's connecting. I'm here, Supervisor Marquez. Thank you so much. Um, the question I had uh, regarding these services for our unsheltered population, um, do we know if any of the services are going to be provided to um, any of the clinics within D2? Uh, th these are dental services that are provided. Um, I think that they are, I'll have to to double check, but I believe that they are um, uh, patients within Central East and South Alameda County. So uh, yes. And do we know if it'll be at both clinics, the one in Hayward and Newark, or just one? I don't know the answer to that. Um, we go by um, by regions in the in the homelessness. Um, uh, 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 kind of mapping out of the of the uh, county, they go by region. So I don't know which um, which specific clinics um, they're talking about, but I can find out and get back to the whole board. Okay, thank you so much. The next item that I note questions on is for item thirty three, and I note that this is a augmentation to 
an item for 360,000 additional dollars for contract management services for GSA. And I just have the question, this is noted as a South Carolina company. Do we not have anyone locally that can help us with contract management? Or do they have a local office here in Alameda County or the East Bay? Do we know? Thank you, Supervisor. So the Gordian contract, you're right, isn't in South Carolina. This um, contract was put back out to bid, and we have a new provider, although they are also out of state. This uh, particular board letter is to close out the contract with Gordian because um, some of our DOC contracts were bid under their unit pricing. This is a very specialized services that there's only a few providers in the country who do this. Um, so they put out the price catalog for all job orders and construction. So there is a new contractor, but they are not local. And, um, They're not local, and we didn't have a local applicant. That's correct. Okay, and a specialized service with few uh, qualified service providers. That's correct. They put out job order costing catalogs and do cost estimating in advance of our project. So then when the local contractors bid on the jobs, th that is the price catalog. Mm. Very good. Um, I just like to support local, and if we can't, we can't. But thank you for looking. The next item that I know it questions on is item 41 and 41.1. And I think we have our registrar voters in the room. Thank you. Um, th this is for training and services provided by a company called Runbeck. And 41.1 is Help America Vote and Act. What, what are we training them to do? So the first board, uh, Tim Dupuis, Registrar of Voters, but uh, the first item, 41, is for a contract with Runbeck Election Services. Uh, the product that we use with Runbeck is called DIMS.net. Uh, DIMS is our uh, election management system uh, that keeps track of all of our voters, uh, whether they're active, inactive. It's the system that we've been using for uh, a couple decades uh, uh, for keeping track of all of our voter roll, and it ties to the state's uh, VoteCal system, uh, which manages all of the voters within the state of California. Runbeck uh, purchased DIMS.net uh, a few years ago while we were still in contract with the previous company, and now it's time to renew uh, the contract uh, with the current owner. So what's before you on the Runbeck uh, on item 41 is to approve uh, moving forward with signing the contract with Runbeck to continue the services that we use for uh, managing our voter rolls. So we talked, uh, I think, at one point um, about enrolling voters and allowing them to vote under age. That's correct. When we did that, we required that 
the agencies that are requesting that underage voters would vote would pay for the cost of doing that. Are any of those agencies, and remind me who they are, paying for a portion of this contract? Uh, the, the agencies uh, that we're working with for youth voting uh, are uh, Oakland Unified School District and the Berkeley Unified School District, and to date, they, they have not paid anything towards youth voting. Have we asked them to pay? Uh, we are in a negotiation for an MOU with them uh, to pay for the work that Runbeck is currently performing to get us to the point where we can use this DIM system uh, to perform youth voting, but to date they have not paid and we're still working on the MOU. Are we going to expend any costs towards that initiative out of this contract before they agree to pay? Uh, yes, what they, they would like, uh, well, the Runbeck will only do business with the county, so we're going to pay, uh, based on the MOU, we, the county, will pay Runbeck for the work that they're doing to create the module for youth voting, and then we will bill those agencies at that point, uh, they will be paying. And they haven't agreed to pay yet, and we have, and we've asked them and they haven't responded, or where is that in in the process of and what happens if they don't pay uh, so where, where we are in the process is uh, negotiating the terms of the MOU which uh, they will not pay until we have the MOU in place and uh, they've been asking for uh, run back to give uh, a, a price certain which uh, they will not be able to uh, provide because this is creating a new product that doesn't exist so it, it's uh, going to be a time and material contract, uh, and we're uh, discussing that with the, the different districts uh, so that they understand that. But to date, we do not have a signed agreement with them agreeing to pay. Are we at risk then, or are you and your department going at risk, spending money that we may not get reimbursed for, in which case you will have, I guess, gone against the direction we provided? To date, Runbeck is moving forward uh, in earnest based upon uh, our history with them. They uh, presumably are um, creating a running total for the work that they've done so far uh, in good faith that uh, we'll enter into this agreement and that we'll work out what is necessary with the different agencies. So there is a tab that is building right now as Runbeck uh, continues the work. As, as the board has directed, we need to continue that work in order to have a chance of running youth voting in the November election. I would just ask that you keep me in my office apprised of that. Thank you. Yeah, I'm pretty offended by your line of questioning, but you're allowed to have it because it's in my district that both of these, uh, both of these districts exist, um, Berkeley and also Oakland. Um, how... Is this normal in terms of you providing a service as a register to your um, to your clients and then getting reimbursed afterwards, or do is it traditional that uh, when you're hosting uh, any election that the cities pay in advance? The p cities pay in the rears for our election expenses. When so for the most part, this is not uncustomary. That for them to pay for the services after performed is not uncustomary. And have you gotten any indication at all 
because I've been in communication with him, that there is no intent, intent to reimburse you for the services once they're rendered. We have no indication that there is no intent. We're working through the terms as we yeah, would with well, any Well, some people are not supportive of youth voting. I hope we don't discriminate against them. The next item that is noted for questions is 46. And that is a... Um, oh, Supervisor Marquez, I believe. Marquez, yeah. And Supervisor I think Marquez. there was a couple of us. We all had yeah. Um, so thank you, Sheriff, for this request. Just for the public's sake, can you just um, help us understand the request for these unfunded positions? Um, how is this going to help with recruitment? Can you just give us... A better understanding of what this entails so as far as the unfunded positions the past practice for the sheriff's office was to move a lot of people who went off on extended leave from other duty stations such as law enforcement services contract services yeah. I hear you give us okay. a second sorry yeah no no it's okay thank um, you sheriff yeah, no, no problem. So historically, the sheriff's office, when someone would go off on extended leave for a period of time, their, their, I guess, that person would be moved into Santa Rita Jail's budget. And that led to a number of bodies who were not actually full duty uh, to be consumed within their vacant funded positions at the jail. So we had up, upwards at some one period of time 121 people off on extended leave, but being held at Santa Rita uh, for those positions. And then an able-bodied person would get transferred out to that law enforcement services division. We can no, no longer support that practice, um, and so therefore we need to carry unfunded positions at these other duty stations within law enforcement services to carry those bodies so that Santa Rita is not taking the brunt of carrying those positions that are off on extended leave. So that's the request for these unfunded positions. Okay, and then um, in, in terms of, can you speak to recruitment? Um, how many people do we have in the academy right now? How are things looking in terms of recruiting these for these vacancies? Yes, so you know, I actually just had a conversation where I was sharing, you know, if you looked at three years ago, even as of last year for the academies, the sheriff's office was only able to uh, put six people in this last academy that were that just recently graduated, and eleven people into another academy in that same last year, with a lot of work between the sheriff's office as well as county um, central HR, we were able to kind of peel away some of the added layers of the hiring process to onboard a number more. So this year, for our March Academy, we have 41, which is significantly different from last year. And we already have 26 slated for the July Academy. So our numbers are looking really good. Um, and promising for this year. Um, hoping it stays that way and we can continue on with that onboarding with, with the assistance of our HR teams. Okay, thank you for that overview and congratulations on the outreach efforts. That's impressive. Thank you. Uh, Sheriff, how many current sworn um, positions do you have? Current sworn positions total? Total. Um, 
You know, I can tell you how many we have right now that are filled, which is 1,004, and we have uh, about 101 that are off on extended leave right now. Uh, we need to fill 311 total, and uh, 100 of, 120 of those are still BABU committed positions that need to be filled. So, so your current vacancy rate is about 300 and something? Yes. Okay, thank you. And when we get ready to vote on it, I, we're going to pull this out for a separate vote. Can I ask a question about retirement and how that's affecting the workforce? Oh, we're still trying to keep up, right? You know, that's, that's something that we battle. There's vacancies that we're trying to fill, but also knowing that we have uh, retirements that come up around springtime, uh, those are definitely something, or that is a challenge. It continues to be a challenge. So to kind of go through retirements in previous years, in 2022, we had 51 retirements and 43 resignations. In 2023, we had 35 retirements with 30 resignations. So forecasting, uh, we anticipate that we will likely have around 50 retirements this year uh, with projected number of resignations probably around 18. And then how are academies and the numbers of um, potential employees coming out of academies, how does that look? Yeah, so um, as I mentioned, I mean, we, we're looking at a total coming out for this last year's academies efforts at roughly 17. And for our incoming academies for this year, we're hoping that we'll have at least 40. Um, and then 26 in July. I guess, how does that compare to prior years? So prior year, uh, we, we were getting a trickle. We'd have between 6 and 12 people that were going into the academy. But, I mean, 5 years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, how oh, does that compare over history? I'm going to say for the last uh, 4 years. 4 years, mm -hmm. a trickle, and now we have. Okay. All right, thank you. Um, thank you, Our President Miley. Uh, I, I just needed some clarification, and I, I tried to ask this earlier um, with respect to 46, 47, and 49. So how does unfunded positions get funded? Because they're on top of the vacancies, right? Yeah, so we, we have some salary savings for some of the vacancies that are not, you know, uh, that are funded but are not filled. So we do utilize that funding to cover costs. It's just that they, we have to have a position to move individuals into, and they won't be funded for you know now until forever. It's just a temporary need. So that's why we need those unfunded positions, just to move one person into an unfunded position temporarily so we can have someone fill the role of the vacant funded um, until that person comes back, basically. Okay, so these are different salary savings than the one in item 49, which is a $2.1 million in salary savings that are going to be used for capital equipment and uh, some of the programs that was identified in the focus group that you had yes, organized. Do we know how much you have in salary savings? I don't have that figure with me, but I could okay. take a look and get back to you on that. Supervisor Chan, okay. we're currently working with the departments on the mid-year projections through the end of the calendar year, so that will be part of our analysis, identifying the salary savings throughout the county. Okay, thank you for that clarification. The next item that I noticed, a note has questions is item 50, I think, Supervisor Marquez. 
Yes, this is um, a positive update. So I wanted to give you a chance, Sheriff, to share with the community what it is you want to accomplish with this partnership. I'm looking for the item right now. Hold on a second. Where are you at, Lieutenant? Come on. The up. contract with the laborers, 304's foundation. Oh. Yes, the absolutely. So training. I can speak a little bit to it, uh, even though he is more informed. But this is definitely something that we, we've been working on uh, to be able to set people up with jobs and skills, skill sets for jobs once they go back out into the community. But I know Lieutenant uh, Joe here has been working with the teams for vocational training and apprenticeship training. And I'll let him take the, the lead on this response. Absolutely. This is something that we're very passionate about. Um, this is an opportunity for us to give people training in uh, a field that will allow them to have a living wage when they leave. Um, the participants are very excited about it. Uh, another thing that's been very positive is since we've done outreach after our first cohort began, we now have approximately 200 of our incarcerated individuals that are asking to participate in the program. So this is by far the uh, program that, that our incarcerated population is most interested in, um, and outreach in, in order to fill those seats has been very, very easy. Thank you. Next item with questions is item 56. Is the public works director on? I believe he's available online. Okay. Welcome, Mr. Wildesenbet. If you could uh, explain, please, an explanation or an update. Mines um, Mine Road. Uh, so, uh, as you know, uh, we're uh, whittling down some of these emergency projects. Uh, the rain uh, lately has not been that friendly to this effort. So, Mines Road. Uh, we are right now constructing, almost finalizing mile marker 16.18. The contractor has mobilized, a uh, little bit delayed because of the recent uh, uh, rains. Uh, mile marker 6.5, as you uh, know, we have a one-way control. In that location, we have our geotechnical uh, firm uh, finalizing the report right now as we speak. Uh, they had to go out again and uh, do another additional measurement uh, due to the recent storms uh, of potential movement that might have occurred in the in the ground. Uh, that has been uh, underway, and we're expecting any time a report from the geotechnical on what type of permanent solution they will be recommending. Uh, mile mark of 15.72 is completed, and uh, uh, it will be removed from the uh, emergency uh, continuance uh, in the next report. Uh, Tesla Road 9.5, uh, we have received a substantially completed set of plans and we put it out in the market right now. We're seeking for contractors to bid on the, on the job. We have contacted about three contractors to give us an estimate. And once we get that number, we should be able to start Tesla. That has been as you know, uh, totally closed right now. Therefore, we have been focused on accelerating the opening of that area. 
Uh, I was anticipating that would take us uh, close to about six months to a year, as I mentioned to you last time. Uh, but we were able to really push this one through, and uh, I'm hoping to get bids coming in uh, uh, by next week. So if that's the case, we should be able to start construction uh, within the next month. Uh, so uh, Redwood Road is still closed because of the, uh, the rain event. We have winterized the area. We're waiting for the dry season. Uh, Palomares uh, is also being uh, currently designed by our geotechnical firm. Uh, has been a challenge, but uh, we're working through it. So, like I said, we're whittling through these things and substantially working on it. Valacitos Bridge is also currently being evaluated by the uh, uh, our geotech firm. Uh, the good news there is uh, the, the the immediate uh, scouring has subsided right now because of some work done by private enterprise downstream from uh, those bridges. So. Uh, I think that one gives us a little more time to see if we can come up with a, a, a lot more solid, uh, viable long-term solution to ensure the bridge uh, foundation is not scarring. So uh, I'd be happy to answer any questions you may have. Just with regard to Mines Road and the uh, deep landslide that a geotechnical firm is evaluating, could you remind me the name of that firm and when we should have the results back for the long-term solution? Alan Croft and Associate is a geotech firm. Uh, like I said, we, we are waiting on a report from them. Uh, most likely within a, a week or so, we should get some reports that indicates, or at least gives us various options as to how to approach this massive slide. Uh, so uh, at that time, I'll be happy to share with your office uh, as well as update the board in the next update uh, of this item. Thank you. If you could keep me and my office informed, I would really appreciate it. That's it. Thank you. Thank I you. believe that's all the questions that we've had, unless there are others. Uh, Not Supervisor Halbert, you had uh, mentioned item 52. Yeah, I just got over it. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So the mass motion, we're going to vote on the mass motion, excluding at the moment item 46. We'll vote on that one separately. So if, if so, if the clerk could call the roll on the mass motion, excluding 46 for the moment. Supervisor Halbert. Aye. Supervisor Marquez. Aye. Supervisor Tam. Aye. Supervisor Carson. Yes. President Miley. Yes. Okay. Item 46. We wanted to vote on that. I need a motion. Separately. I'll move the item. Uh, I'll second it. Okay, so item 46. Yeah, item 46 wasn't a mass motion, but Supervisor Carson asked if it could be pulled out, and I said, okay. And so now we're going to, um, we've had a motion on item 46. Uh, Supervisor Marquez seconded by Supervisor uh, Tam. So on the, the roll call, please. Supervisor Halbert. Aye. Supervisor Marquez? Aye. Supervisor Tam? Aye. Supervisor Carson? Uh, before I make, uh, make my vote, I want to preference it. Um, I, I really appreciate uh, everything that I've been hearing and informed of that the, our new sheriff is doing, and I want to underscore that and, and applaud her for the direction she's going. And I know it takes a lot to turn a, the Titanic in the middle of the ocean, so I respect that. We'll be taking some time uh, 
to see uh, some of the changes that um, that uh, the new sheriff will be introducing. Uh, April 2020, uh, I know there was a request for $318 million at that time to provide staffing for the jail. Um, and at this time, while this request is for 229 sworn positions, uh, we still think have an unfunded, we still have a funded unfilled position rate that is higher than the request today. So I'll vote no. Uh, and as uh, things change um, um, and these requests come back, uh, making adjustments, um, then I'll uh, keep an open mind to that. President Miley. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. So four, uh, four affirmative and one no on item 46. So I think now we're going to take up the items that were not in the mass motion. And I believe. First one is item six, which is a recommendation it, it, from the it, Health Care Services it, Agency uh, related to a contract amendment with telecare. Yeah. I was going to ask a question. So can I, um, since I'm going to have to recuse myself on items 6, 13, and 14, can we just take all three of them up at the same time? So I can just leave the room once? Okay. So I, I, so as relates to item 6, item 13, and 14, I need to recuse myself. Um, I, I, under item 6, telecare, uh, it's, I believe that uh, I've received a contribution or contributions from and Becar relative to my uh, re-election. And I just don't recall if it's within the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the year's cycle, so I'd rather err on the side of caution. Then on item 13, boss, uh, once again, we might have ex gone beyond the year there, but I just, once again, on, out of caution, I'll recuse myself on item 13, uh, do the contribution from uh, Don Frazier from boss. And then on item 14, the same thing, uh, Don Frazier from Boss, and then also uh, from uh, Jamie uh, uh, Amanza from Bax, uh, has, that's made a contribution to my uh, campaign for re-election. So I'm going to recuse myself on all three of those items, 6, 13, and 14. Noting that President Miley has left the room, I'll entertain a motion to approve items 6, 13, and 14. So move. I had a question on 13. Uh, yes, please. Go ahead. Um, so this is a report that we're receiving uh, on essentially the accomplishments uh, through this vendor pool for housing solutions that went from $50 million and to $90 million. Um, and, and we were able to, for example, house 2,337 uh, individuals uh, that were unhoused. The, the question I had is the, there's been a number of changes uh, with FEMA with respect to the project room key where this is where it draws a significant amount of funding. And I wanted to understand how that has impacted the county, and then I also I had a question on attachment B of the board letter. Supervisor Tam, I'm online. Um, I missed a little bit of your question while I was getting promoted to panelist. It, um, it cut out. 
the beginning part of your question um, about the, I, I think I know your question about exhibit B, um, but I missed the first one. Um, the one about uh, how the changes that uh, FEMA has imposed on Project oh. Rookie, how that has impacted the county. So I can um, uh, start and I can defer um, perhaps to the county administrator um, as uh, who's managing our work uh, on the um, FEMA claiming. Um, but certainly, as has been reported in the in the paper recently, uh, FEMA has uh, changed its um, stand on uh, funding for non-congregate shelters, and our county was uh, among the first in the state to implement non-congregate shelters under the governor's uh, uh, program that he created, Project Roomkey. And um, newer guidance uh, indicates that um, FEMA has has retroactively implement, implemented rules that were not in place when we stood up those shelters, including um, reimbursement for vacant rooms and a limit on the on the time uh, that uh, individuals can stay in the rooms. Um, and, and as I mentioned, those were, those were not rules that were in place when we implemented the program. And so I know discussions are ongoing with um, California OES and FEMA uh, to see what we can do to ensure that FEMA um, covers what had been intended from the outset. And uh, I defer it to anything else to, to the county administrator. She has more detail to offer. I would just add that it's a statewide issue that um, CSAC and others, as well as um, the governor, are focused on FEMA reimbursement. But just to remind the board, you know, we have always had long delays with FEMA uh, reimbursement for, you know, disaster funding. In this particular case, the preliminary estimate we have from healthcare in terms of the amount of dollars claimed and what may be at risk is that we may be at risk for $35 million that we expected to be reimbursed by FEMA that would no longer be reimbursed under the current rules that have been issued. Maybe I can add just a little bit because I did have this conversation with our lobbyists when uh, John and Emily were out here last week as well as there's been uh, a conference call with CSAC, and there has also been a conference call with NACO uh, relating to this. Um, while we're focused on the, the, this particular uh, issue and request, um, that this has happened in the past uh, in which the federal government, we've had to go back and either uh, challenge and or negotiate for reimbursement or to continue to have supportive funding uh, for items that we've already um, carried out. And so there is an ongoing effort to organize uh, to have that kind of approach on this um, issue, too, because it caught everybody off guard. Okay. Uh, th that is troubling. Um, so the, the second part of my question has to do with attachment B. So Supervisor... Miley and I serve on the Social Services Committee, and yesterday um, a number of community-based organizations brought to our attention that for um, immigrants and refugees, primarily refugees within the first 30 days, trying to get housing has been a challenge because the federal government's reimbursement versus what it cost in the Bay Area, there's a gap. And so they were looking for about like, I think um, 
all, all in total, you know, a little over $1 million for that portion of it. And I was wondering whether um, this $1.8 million that was not expended under attachment B is would be potentially available um, to provide those kind of services for those uh, community-based organizations. Thank you for the question, Supervisor Tam. Uh, there are two things I would like to point out about that that 1.8 million in that uh, chart on Exhibit B. First is this is a report from uh, that for the period that ends June 2022, and so this is um, nearly uh, over a year and a half um, old in terms of the data that's being reported. But more importantly, that 1.8 is not about uh, funding that's available. It's about authorization um, by the board to spend up to that amount in the vendor pool. So the way the vendor pool works um, and how it was established originally is that uh, your board allowed uh, us to enter into contracts with a total amount up to a maximum um, amount. And that maximum room had 1.8 million left in it. It doesn't mean that there was revenue associated with it. We'd still had to find revenue at the state or local level to um, support the contracts that were uh, encumbered up to that room that was approved by your board. Uh, so it's it's really more an, uh, um, an indicator of how much your board authorized and how much of that authorization we used in contracts. Okay, I appreciate the distinction. Um, so I'm, I guess the question should be, can that authorization um, be utilized for housing for some other community-based organizations that work with primarily uh, Afghan refugees, for example? So that authorization, again, was ended on uh, June 30, 2022. And since then, we have used all of the authorization that your board has given us and, in, in fact, have changed our procedures. And now we no longer raise it to a an, uh, a limit beyond what we need. Every time we come to your board with a request for a vendor pool contract, we raise it only to the amount that's needed for that contract, not anymore. Okay. So basically this is an accounting effort and then it ended in 2022 and it got absorbed in the subsequent and it, year. Yeah. And it wasn't um, ever an indication of available unused funding. It was an indication of authorization that remained but then got used following in an in a uh, subsequent um, uh, quarter. Okay, thank you. Sure. Are there any other questions on these items six, thirteen, fourteen? Uh, seeing none. Mm. Uh, ask for a roll call. Please. I'll move items six, thirteen, and fourteen. I'll second. Move and second. Uh, yeah. He already moved by Supervisor Carson before the questions, and right. now we needed a second. Thank you. So then, with moved by Supervisor Carson, second by Supervisor Marquez, take the roll call vote, please. Mm -hmm. Supervisor Marquez, aye. Supervisor Tam, aye. Supervisor Carson, President Miley recused himself from discussing and voting on the items six, thirteen, and fourteen, and left the room. Supervisor Halbert. Aye. Those items pass unanimously then with the recusal of Supervisor President Miley, who we will now welcome back. But until he gets here, we can continue. There he is. All right. 
Neil. So are we ready for the ordinances? Yeah, now? you have two ordinances. Um, item 36 is from the Human Resource Services Department. It's the first reading of salary ordinance amendments affecting classifications in the Sheriff's Office Community Development Agency and Healthcare Services Agency. The title and ordinance amending certain provisions of the 2023-2024 County of Alameda salary ordinance. I'll move to waive the first full reading and introduce the ordinance. I'll second. Very good. Moved and seconded. Uh, roll call vote, please. Supervisor Halbert. Supervisor Aye. Marquez. Aye. Supervisor Tam. Aye. Supervisor Carson. Yes. President Miley excused. Uh, item 62 is the first reading of a traffic regulation ordinance in the unincorporated area. It's first reading. An ordinance amending chapter one relating to traffic regulations, county highways, highways of Title VI relating to vehicles and traffic of the Alameda County Public Works Traffic Code. Move to waive the full first reading of the ordinance and introduce the ordinance for second reading. Second. Moved and seconded. Any board comments or questions? Roll call, please. Supervisor Halbert? Aye. Supervisor Marquez? Aye. Supervisor Tam? Aye. Supervisor Carson? Yes. President Miley? Yes. That's the end of your um, regular okay. items, and you have your one o'clock set matter, item okay. 70.1. All right, so now, oh, sorry for just getting to this item, item 70.1, our set item for uh, one o'clock, and this is uh, an, an uh, informational item update on Santa Rita Jail Capital uh, Project uh, from our, sh our sheriff. Office of General Services and the Healthcare Services Agency. And I would just say that uh, we're, we're having this informational item because there has been some um, movement in the direction of reevaluating, reassessing what we want to do out at Santa Rita Jail. The board has been discussing this in a closed session. And yes? I just wanted to ask before you did this item, did you want to handle the consent calendar item that Supervisor Carson? Oh, had? yes. I'm, I'm sorry. I, yeah, maybe we could go back to the consent. I forgot about that. That's okay. Just, just a second, Sheriff. Uh, so we want to go back to. There were two items, items under consent that uh, Supervisor Carson raised. Items that there was 80 discussion. and 83. Yeah, items 80 and 83. Uh, they were passed on consent, and I don't think we're taking them off of consent, but I think there's further no, we explanation on those or, or reconsideration. Are we reconsider, reconsidering items 80 and 86? Yeah, I, I think what Supervisor Carson the point that Supervisor Carson raised was that the, the as, as represented on the agenda, it creates confusion. So the, the ask is that um, your board um, clarify this, take a, you know, reconsider it for the purposes of clarifying the intent of the body 
um, in voting for it. So, and my advice was that you need a new motion. Okay, so your advice is we reconsider. Will, will we need to take up a motion to reconsider, or, or how? Um, just want to make sure I procedurally follow what yeah, we need to do. Um, I, I think it perhaps, why don't you just, so there's no question, okay. just a, a motion, because okay. it's, right. I think really what it is is a clarification. It's seeking a clarification of the intent of this item. All right, so we'll, we'll take up a motion to reconsider items 80 and 83. Is there a motion? Could, could you also include 86, because that's also a reappointment to care for Rochelle's last. Okay, so if we could have a motion to reconsider items 80, 83, and 86 uh, that were on consent. Is there a motion? I'd like to uh, move that, um, and it was just with a simple clarification. Uh, this was a two-year project. Um, the appointees knew it was two years to begin with, and because there wasn't a, a full quorum, um, it seemed like there was a, a number of people who have been appointed for the last four months of the existence of this. And so I wanted to clarify that it does sunset, it does end 20, June 2026. And any costs associated with that um, come with under the t June 2026 date. There's no added extension over cost or any addition thing. It sunsets completely June 2024. Okay, so, so, so right now, if we could just, this is a motion to reconsider. So the motion, uh, moved by Carson, second by Tam. Yes. So if we can have a vote just on reconsidering, call the roll, please. Supervisor Halbert. Aye. Supervisor Marquez. Aye. Supervisor Tam. Aye. Supervisor Carson. Yes. President Miley. Yes, all right. So now, um, and then Supervisor like Carson, move. you want to? Further explain the I'd like clarification. To move that we accept the appointments of, for the duration of this committee, which ends on June 24th, 2024, which ends on June 2024. And also, any costs associated with that are only under the time period of June 2024, not to exceed that. And I just want to be clear it, it ends June 30, 2024? June, June 30, 2024. Okay. June 30, 2024. I know there's a lot of attention on this issue by a lot of sources, so I appreciate the clarity. Thank you. So I concur. I mean, we just approved. Are you going to second? I'll second the okay. motion. Uh, we, we just um, approved item 11, which uh, extends the Care First Jails last by five months, funding it for 400000 So Supervisor Carson is correct. It doesn't makes sense to have their term end in 2026 when you know there's not certainty that the commission will exist right and so that includes my reappointment too all right so the motion before us that has been clarified is that these appointments uh, will expire on june 30th 30th 2024 that's item 80, 83, and 86. Any further comments or questions? All right, if we get the motion. Supervisor Halbert? Aye. Supervisor Marquez? Aye. Supervisor Tam? Aye. Supervisor Carson? Yes. President Miley? Okay, yes. All right. 
that, that was a roll call on those three. So now we'll go, I think I got everything done. Now, now I think I can go to item, the information item that was scheduled for um, one o'clock, item 70.1. And as I was um, initially stating, uh, the board's been having um, appropriate confidential discussions about this for quite a while uh, in terms of the capital project out at the jail. And today, the, the sheriff and general services and healthcare are going to present an informational report on this in terms of um, how we're now um, uh, reevaluating our position relative to uh, mental health services out of the jail. So I'll turn it over to the sheriff. Or, should, or is it GSA? Good afternoon, board. Thank you. Um, this is Kimberly Gasway, GSA director. We've been asked to bring a capital report together, and uh, the sheriff will start. Yeah, we were doing the microphone uh, like peekaboo. <laughs> we got the speakers on now. So, yes, I'll start this off. Um, you know, since I've taken office, it's been a year already. It, there's been a number of improvements that we've been making, but we've been really working in partnership with our behavioral health team as well as our GSA team in what this mental health building means for uh, the individuals that are going to be receiving care. And through those discussions and through the evaluation process, we have found that uh, the way and the design and the planning behind this building to be placed on Santa Rita Jail's campus is not the most ideal. And it is not something that I support anymore. So it's been... Uh, it's been discussed through, you know, the inception of this consent decree that this mental health building was appropriate, but as we've navigated this consent decree and the needs within the facility, we find that the best way to deliver services through our behavioral health team is inside their living areas where they are housed. So building a facility of this size and, and placing it where it is um, planned to have been placed would mean logistical nightmares, really, with staffing, and then moving individuals from one uh, side of the jail to another, which I think will impact the number of people that will be able to actually have delivery of services. So we have had discussions, my sheriff's office team, and I believe the behavioral health team, with our monitors that are monitoring the consent decree as well as our attorneys involved. And we believe that the best way to go is to have delivery of services within our housing units uh, as they are without the need of building this facility. So I'm committed to working with our consent decree joint approved monitors and our attorneys uh, who represent our incarcerated population in uh, this consent decree in the custodial mental and physical health care and with our custodial mental and physical health care partners uh, to make sure that we are providing services the way they need to be delivered to our community inside the jail. So, you know, I uh, want to say that we have been able to identify uh, care coordination, outreach, and engagement programs to date in working with partnership with behavioral health services. Um, we are examining how we can identify um, 
locations within our housing units, within our facility to deliver care directly. And th those are still in their preliminary plans. I mean, those are things that we're working on right now as far as the best way to go forward. Um, but, you know, th this is a joint presentation. So I know that we have a number of items that we're going to flip through as far as slides, but our behavioral health team, uh, Dr. Triple, is here to explain the services and delivery that is ongoing right now. Thank you, Undersheriff, and thank you, Supervisors, President Miley. Uh, we very much appreciate this opportunity. Uh, my name is Dr. Karen Tribble. I'm the Behavioral Health Care Services Director for the system. Um, and I will initially start out again by appreciating the partnership and the efforts and the directives that you all have been giving us these past few years. Uh, we hope that this shows uh, a true dedication to the, the shifts in the abilities and the creative thinking that we've been undertaking for the last several years. Um, I will just start out by providing a foundational update and then defer to our Director of Forensic uh, Reentry uh, and Diversion Services as well, Juan Tyson. Uh, but as you see, and as referenced by the, under, the, excuse me, the Sheriff, um, the fundamental services that we've been working on to expand these last several years clearly focus on care coordination, outreach, engagement. Uh, we have created a reentry team within the jail to coordinate outside of the jail once a person is released, as well as post-release care coordination. So some of the examples that you see are um, over the last several years, I believe when this project was initially brought to your attention, uh, we've been focusing on uh, school-based uh, school uh, preventative services. We've been fo focusing on the development of wellness centers, which we've constructed. Thank you for your support in, in pursuing BCHIP dollars. We've been granted uh, millions of dollars by the state of California to create and, and, and additionally um, uh, provide uh, support and resource into the system. Uh, some of the other things that we are very uh, pleased that now have a connection and have a place with a partnership uh, is through crisis services. As your board is aware, we did launch uh, and expand our mobile crisis services, including our CAT, uh, Community Assessment and Transport Team, and now we have e 11 CAT units across the county that are serving all of our county, as well as our mobile crisis units in combination and partnership with local jurisdictions. Uh, so there has been much effort underway, uh, including on, on the jail, which we provided some update through prior presentations around our forensic planning, the safe landing program that operates on the outside of the jail. So those, these are examples of our efforts. I also want to highlight medication-assisted treatment, which we are working on uh, providing more of within the jail and working with the healthcare provider. We are also providing additional formulary or pharmacy-based medications that can be delivered to the inmates, and those things have happened. And so for us, besides the expansion of the behavioral health court, we truly have been focusing on uh, increasing the fundamental services that are in the community. Uh, so we do appreciate the expanded opportunity to provide quality care in the jail. We are continuing to deliver that, and we want to make sure that we emphasize the fundamental services as the uh, sheriff reference that are occurring in the community to help support this population. Uh, so with that, I will defer specifically to uh, Director Tyson to introduce himself and provide more information about the services. Thank you, Dr. Triple, and thank you, Sheriff Sanchez, and thank you, Board. Uh, good afternoon. My name is Juan Taisan. I'm the Director of the Forensic Diversion and Reentry System of Care for Alameda County Behavioral Health, and wanted to take some time to talk about 
the work that we have been doing as uh, part of our enhancing of behavioral health services to our clients while they are incarcerated. I'm very proud to say that over the last three years, we've made significant progress um, working on the consent decree. We have hired uh, many new clinicians and ha now have over 30 clinicians who are working um, at Santa Rita Jail providing mental health services. We still have about another 30 clinicians to hire, so we are, we are in ongoing recruitment efforts. Um, but staffing up, uh, thanks to the, the, the resources provided and the direction from this board, we've been able to staff up um, and really increase and enhance the services that we are providing. We've been able to work with the Sheriff's Office to create therapeutic housing units where we are providing intensive daily treatments, daily rounds, daily engagement of our clients to make sure that they get uh, the best services available to them. We have launched a pilot program around early access and stabilization services, specifically to treat uh, individuals who have been found incompetent to stand trial um, and make sure that we are able to treat them quickly and reduce any unnecessary jail time. The other critical piece and component that I want to talk about as far as jail services are reentry work. We have really stepped up the work that we're doing around reentry. We have a reentry team who is doing a lot of pre-release planning. We have staffed up a clinician position for someone to do post-release care coordination and have had a lot of success in building those bridges for individuals and our clients as they're leaving the jail and coming back into the community, getting them connected to our full service partnerships, our, our service teams, um, even treatment and facilities. So very proud of that work that we've been doing in collaboration with our partners at the jail. I also think it's important for us to acknowledge the work that we have done over the last three years um, is really bringing together a continuum of care for our clients at the jail. Uh, Behavioral Health has funded uh, forensic full-service partnerships teams, our, our uh, Behavioral Health Court, our assisted outpatient treatment, and now we are enhancing those efforts. Thanks to new funding from the state, thanks to a focus on uh, peer supports, we've been able, we are in the process of planning new reentry supports for uh, our clients as they come out, really focused on reentry coaches, peer groups, so that people are landing back in the community in a good way, getting that support to navigate the systems in a good way, and then once they're out, helping reduce their parole and probation violations so that they don't come back into the system. So again, this is really around coordinating all of the efforts that we're doing to really enhance the work for our clients. Uh, we are also in the, in the um, planning phases of diverting more individuals. We've already had a state hospital diversion program that's been very successful, working to get individuals out of jail, treatment in the community, and keep them, um, uh, again, out of jail, but also out of the state hospital. And we're expanding on those efforts now. We're looking at a, a new arrest and diversion uh, triage center uh, a, and a forensic peer respite, both places where individuals can come when they have mental health needs, rather than going to jail, we can work with law enforcement to divert them, get them assessed, and get them connected to community services. Oh, one back, please. Uh, in addition to uh, the, the reentry supports and that diversion, we're also looking at ways that we better support family members and support clients who have not typically accepted our services 
uh, within the community. So one effort currently underway is our family navigation and support, really helping families so that they, if they have loved ones with, with uh, mental health needs who are in the justice system, helping them navigate the justice system, helping them navigate our behavioral health system, and again, with the goal around them getting connected. We also have a care court. Care court is a, a state mandate. I, I believe this, this board knows, your board knows about. Um, we will be launching in December. And the goal is to really engage individuals who have the most intensive uh, mental health needs and getting them connected to uh, services. Finally, I, wanna, I wanted to really emphasize the, the treatment facilities that we'll be funding. As Dr. Triple mentioned, BCHIP funding that is coming down from the state, that has come down to, to behavioral health through the state, will allow us to open up uh, new residential treatment facilities, new beds for forensically involved uh, clients, and new crisis stabilization unit and an eight-bed crisis treatment facility. All of this, again, is funded through new funding from the state, really around enhancing our continuum of services. So. Just, uh, I want to thank you for allowing us to highlight this work. We are investing a lot in the jail. We have to under the consent decree. Uh, we want to provide good quality mental health care to our clients while they're in jail. And we're also investing in the community and making sure that people stay out of the jail and get the treatment that they need in the community. And with that, I will pass it over to our GSA director. Thank you, Sharifa and Juan, um, Dr. Tribble. So again, we've been working in close partnership as this situation is involved. But before I start diving in, I'd like to um, give a little background on the context of the Santa Rita Jail facility. Um, actually, I think this is the sheriff's slide. Apologize. I can speak to All right. it. So uh, we have a number of um, Title 15 standards that we have to live up to and make sure that we are operation or we're operating under state guidelines. So we've had some recent updates that went into effect in 2023. Uh, it involves some of the language that we use in the jail, the use of calling individuals as individuals and not calling them inmates. That is uh, something that has been um, accepted by the BSCC and we are now implementing that process in Santa Rita jail. Uh, use of gender neutral terminology uh, making sure that we have out-of-cell time for our general population. It has changed from, you know, three, three hours in a seven-day period to ten hours in a seven-day period. So these are a number of things that we are putting into place and making sure that we're adhering to. Uh, exercise is now specified. Uh, disciplinary diets, if somebody has uh, a violation of one of our policies, we no longer implement a disciplinary diet, which was referred to as the LOAF. For a number of years, which was just a very nutrient-rich, like bread loaf would look like, and it was not uh, tasty at all. So uh, we've also come into uh, a number of efforts with our GSA partner to increase suicide prevention efforts to align with best practices. With the consent decree, we started the construction project to put anti-ligature furniture as well as seal up any gaps between our bed bunks, our top bed bunk and our window, which allowed for individuals to throw a bed sheet over and use that as a mechanism to strangle themselves. And so we found that that was something that was utilized on, you know, it was a common go-to for this method. So working with our GSA team, not only are we going to address uh, housing units where we have um, our more acute clients for behavioral health, 
but throughout the jail. Uh, because you never know when someone is experiencing crisis, and we want to make sure that we eliminate that um, altogether in our facility. So that is something that we are discussing as far as how we expand that out into the jail. It will take some time, but it uh, is definitely in the works. So, you know, we, uh, we want to make sure that we are addressing the consent decree requirements, but we don't just want to stop there, and that's why we're, we're taking additional steps to make sure that we are covering anything that we we come across uh, in the jail as far as a safety issue that we need to address. Uh, you know, we, we speak about this in-house in all the time about uh, California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, otherwise known as CDCR. They are constantly, or I guess on a regular basis, they are closing facilities uh, across the state. And so that what that means is there's more pressure on the county to take on people who would be or would have been sent to a state facility and serving their time in a county facility. So that puts more pressure on us to make sure that we have uh, the capacity to serve them and that we have the appropriate services to be able to render to them while they're in custody. So this is just a very small list of services that are delivered at the jail, and I want to highlight uh, a couple of items and Lieutenant Joe spoke to one of the contracts that was on the agenda as far as our vocation uh, training and our uh, ability to onboard programming with people that we've never done you know, services with before, opening our doors to people with lived experiences, previously incarcerated, making sure that we are allowing people to come in and deliver a message that would be best delivered by them uh, to individuals to take advantage of services and training and educational opportunities. Uh, we are also working on creating a new civilian management position for our reentry services so that we can have someone dedicated to fill gaps that we know are there and connecting individuals to community services and making sure that they get from the jail once they're released out to uh, the services out in the community because that's where we find that we have gaps, where people fall through the gaps, is making sure that they get a warm handoff, making sure that they actually get a ride from where they need to be the following day or that day. So those are things uh, that our reentry director will be uh, responsible for, and of course, working in coordination with our partners, with uh, our medical provider, as well as AFBH. So this, this slide kind of uh, gives you a snapshot of all of our housing units and the population, as far as how many uh, the housing units house, but it also identifies that it's just across the board. You have behavioral health clients in every housing unit for the most part, and it, it all depends on what level of care. Um, you're more acute uh, are, are, I believe, the level of care for, for correct me if I'm wrong, behavioral health team, um, but those, the, they'll be spread out across the board uh, as far as mixed in with general population uh, or those who, who are more acute. They'll be They'll, more, they'll be more, more cohorted with uh, the same. I think this might be GSA. Thank you, Sheriff. Now I'll give uh, the background on the facility context. So just as a reminder, the Santa Rita Jail is a 30-year-old building and infrastructure um, that operates 24-7, so that's a significant amount of wear on any facility. There are 
significant major maintenance needs that are included in your capital plan that include site infrastructure work, including water, sewer, electrical service, um, repairs and replacements that are needed, then complete envelopes, roofs, exterior walls, et cetera. And we have done a facility assessment evaluating all the work that's necessary and we're bringing forward um, contracts and requests for funding to get that work done. The second important point in regards to behavioral health is the facility is designed um, based on a previous concept for any detention. It's not the concept that the sheriff is now speaking of. It's a focus on pre-trial detention rather than programs and rehabilitation. Similar to our report on Glen Geyer Jail, it was not designed or built for the needs of the populations being served. It's, um, there's insufficient and administrative spaces from the original design capacity. Next slide. We also wanted to give you sort of a background on the timeline of events. Uh, I won't read through all of the slides, but it'll give you a sense of how this has been an extremely evolving fluid situation. So in September 2015, the board authorized the Sheriff's Department to apply for the state SB 863 grant for mental health services building. Following that, nearly three years later, or just over three years, the Babu class action lawsuit was filed. And then um, your board, in 2019 approved the uh, construction agreement for the original scope of that building. And then in April 2022, you approved additional staffing in response to the lawsuit for healthcare and the sheriff's department. And then the Department of Justice got involved. I think it's important to understand that the original grant and then how this began to change. In February 2022, the big bold area, the Babu consent decree was signed. And that had some of the requirements, which included um, a requirement to, for the county to use its best effort to progress the building, which was believed to be an immediate solution to providing space to provide behavioral health services that were uh, sorely needed. The, um, during, once the decree was signed, monitors came into the facility and were working with behavioral health as they've spoken to and the sheriff's department on what the new requirements of this consent decree would be, including the new classifications of people, how many uh, types of service um, they were gonna need to receive, and it continued to be fluid, and even to this day, there are ongoing regular conversations around that. We were continuing at GSA, um, as reported in grand jury report, as well as to the state, to progress the building as was written in the consent decree. But in parallel to that, we, in the conversations by bringing in some space experts um, and others to look at what was happening and how this would work through operationally on their operations plan, in addition to listening to the advocates and most of, most of the reports that were being put out, whether it's the Mental Health Advisory Board or the Care First Task, we looked at the whole without um, we didn't have blinders on. We were progressing the building, but in parallel, we began to ask some really hard questions about how we could improve the situation faster, reminding everyone that the building was not gonna come on for five or six years and the need was immediate. The new sheriff was um, very responsive to our efforts to come into their space and let, uh, essentially open the doors and let us look at every square inch of the building, which we appreciated. So in parallel, we began to develop um, options for short-term and maybe longer-term solutions if they weren't gonna be in addition to the building instead of the building. Next slide. 
So I just want to give you a sense of the current projects in response to Babu and other litigation that are underway right now. Um, cell softening, as she mentioned, that is pretty much completed. We're in what's called construction closeout. That's the financial closeout of that project. Um, very proud of that work. And then we are also doing, there's another litigation project, the ADA, American Disabilities Act, um, renovations throughout the facility. The sheriff gives us one housing unit at a time. We come in, renovate that space. They put people back in there, and then we move around the facility. We are also upgrading the security network cameras um, and whole system. That is project is in construction. We are also working in procurement to do, as part of the Babu Consent Decree, outdoor recreation and quasi-yards in order to provide more outdoor time um, for um, people housed at the jail. And then we're also in procurement on confidential interview rooms and workstations um, at various locations inside the facility to be able uh, for behavioral health to be able to provide um, support. Here's the um, calendar of the projects that are currently underway, which I just mentioned. Green means they're in construction. Blue means they're in, we're procuring construction contracts. And orange means um, they're in design. Next slide. I also wanted to show you right now, this is the current work that is going on in the jail across the facility so that we have a lot of contractors which also require additional support from the sheriff's department as far as um, escorting contractors, looking at their tools as they're coming in and out and making sure all security protocols are followed. So we are doing sliding doors, wa uh, replacing water mains, the network, most of the projects I already showed you, but you can see they're spread out across that uh, property. Next slide. So what are we doing now? We also, um, again, we're working in parallel and looking at master planning for the jail as a whole and how to best utilize that space. We're looking at consolidating areas of responsibility, reorganizing where we can, relocating certain um, support services, and repurposing any area of the facility that we can find. People have boots on the ground, and they are literally walking the whole site. We are defining projects that can accomplish the goals um, in alignment with this master planning process. Next slide. Um, this explains to you right now we're in short-term solutions because uh, it's important to bring some things online immediately that will help um, so, uh, respond to many of the um, requirements that we have right now to fulfill in, in compliance with these whether it's ADA, Title 15, the consent decree, or other safety improvements that the sheriff has alluded to, such as the anti-ligature project, which we've not been required, but we know it's important to do. So um, next slide. We are also looking at the facility rejuvenation, which I mentioned the facility conditions assessment. We're looking at the core areas where the jail administration staff sit and central services and then decentralizing inside each of the housing units and in response to monitors' recommendations, the people be served where they're um, in the units where they are residing. Next slide. Here are some of the short-term ideas that we are currently working through and doing feasibility to bring forward in the near future for your board's considerations. So that's increasing individual and group counseling spaces inside the housing units opportunities to improve physical space so that it's a more of a therapeutic milieu rather than um, essentially a jail. So it's a more welcoming, calming environment. Evaluating evalu um, 
programming opportunities in existing buildings. We know there are two Sandy Turner two buildings, so we looked at the number of hours of services the sheriff's providing that are being used in that facility, and are there openings that behavioral health could use? And I believe that is already taking place. So we've improved efficiencies in those spaces. We've also looked at evaluating opportunities to relocate functions outside of the administrative core, and where are we going to put all these staff? So um, healthcare and the sheriff have allowed us to speak to them and make recommendations that anyone that's not providing a direct service inside the jail could sit outside the secure perimeter, whether it's administrative or clerical support. It's less expensive to provide people with offices outside of a jail than it is inside of a jail. So um, we've made a lot of progress in that area. And then we're looking at um, ways inside the um, for education and reentry programs in the maximum uh, security area also. Next slide. This gives you a basic idea I won't go, so, um, of some of the areas that we're looking at in orange of where we can improve. So you see the far right, bottom right corner. That's where the housing um, Sandy Turner uh, portables are, and we've maximized that. And then I don't have the pointer, so I can't point, but at the right edge, you see the two big, uh, right there, go up a little bit, there, see that orange block? That is called an F-pod, and then that was never built out as a cell, and we looked at that as a place that we could do um, mental health services, and then when we go to the other housing units, it's like, why can't we do some remodifications to create an F-pod concept in other housing units um, to be able to provide services to people where they are housed? And so there are many um, of these master planning efforts are underway. Like I said, we have a number of experts. Thank you to your board for the resources you've provided to us to bring that forward. This is the overall budget, uh, not the budget, in the county's capital plan that's on the website. You'll see all of the projects for Santa Rita right now in the current capital plan by dollar value, the approved funding, funding that hasn't um, is pending, and then what we spent to date in the five-year plan. The item that is highlighted in yellow is the mental health building. It was an $80 million, $81 million project. And I'll point out that the state grant was $54.3 million of that, and the county match was $26.7 million. Um, and this building will not be included in the next master plan. So to close on uh, funding and my last slide, the fiscal year 24-25 uh, capital plan submitted to your board's consideration in June will not include the new mental health program services building as recommended by the sheriff's office. Excuse me. The project funding in the fiscal year 23-24 plan, which I just showed you, did include the grant, $54.3 million, and a local match of $26.7 million. Project expenses to date were 3.7 million of that 20 of that um, project. None of these um, expenses of the 3.7 are now reimbursable without moving that project forward. We are going to finish the feasibility studies for alternative short-term and medium-term solutions, and bring those to your board um, for review. And cost estimates are expected to be ready in the spring. And we will request those to be included in your capital plan for the next five years. And we just want to remind you that it is anticipated that these alternatives will exceed the balance of the county funds that were allocated to the mental health uh, project. Thank you. Next slide. Thank you. That concludes our presentation.
All right, thank you for the, this presentation, this informational presentation this afternoon. We'll see if there are any board comments or questions. Supervisor Marquez. Thank you for this um, exciting update. I want to acknowledge all the presenters um, for what I am observing is a true partnership and collaboration and wanting to um, better serve individuals that are in custody at um, Santa Rita Jail. So thank you for coming together. Thank you to my colleagues for allocating resources to invest in treatment um, in the community. So I think collectively, um, timing is everything, right, to get to this place. Um, so I'm very impressed with the updates. Um, just a couple questions with respect to um, telecare. If um, behavioral health services can come up, please. So my understanding is we do contract um, for clinicians to come in because of our staffing shortage. I understood that we've hired 30 clinicians, but there's still 30 vacancies. So can you just kind of speak to the role of telecare? Yes, and I'll provide additional information. The initial um, approval that we obtained uh, from the board some years ago for the relationship with telecare was less based upon the lack of staff and the 24-hour service requirement. So we have gone into meet and confer with our uh, employees and unions appropriately so, and uh, it was there. Uh, so I suppose grace in allowing for an outside entity to make sure that we met that requirement. Uh, so subsequent to that, they are providing those services which we could not provide 24 hours, okay. and to the extent we might need support to help fulfill uh, other terms that are not already uh, able to be attended to by the staff, that is correct. So it was for the 24-hour requirement. Okay, and then um, it's my understanding that every individual is receiving an intake assessment. Yes. Is that within 24 hours? What are the requirements around that? Yes, it is, and I want to make sure I defer to Director Tyson. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Supervisor. So that is correct. Every at, at the point of booking, everyone is uh, in the intake transfer and release section of Santa Rita Jail. Everyone is assessed, uh, receives a mental health assessment from um, either adult forensic behavioral health uh, county staff or telecare during the overnight shifts. I will also say telecare has expanded uh, a bit into um, I, other shifts within ITR so that we can expand our clinical footnote uh, in some of the therapeutic housing units. Okay. And within the booking location, is that um, area also being assessed in terms of if modifications need to be made to that space? Is that part of this analysis as well? We, in partnership with the sheriff, we have made some changes and space availability. So we have obtained a second uh, interview booth in that space and are able to now uh, staff two interview booths to do assessments as well as an office uh, where, that we use for assessments. Um, so that's what we've done so far in terms of additional modifications. Um, I'll defer to, to GSA director for. Thank you, Juan. We are looking at the administrative space and the, their needs for how many assessments they're doing on average annually versus the amount of space that they have. So it is part of the assessment. Okay. And then um, at what point will we be giving updates to the state with respect to um, funding and being able to utilize 
potentially some of that funding for what we're proposing to do here. So at this time, the grant was very specific on the scope, and we applied with this, the scope um, for a mental health building. And so right now, we cannot access those funds. Um, what we can do is we look at this um, master planning. If there are any opportunities regarding that grant that we could use them, we would go back to the state with a scope change. But right now, that funding will not be available to Okay, understood. Thank you. And then, um, Sheriff, with respect to the position, um, you had mentioned bringing on a civilian to help with um, reentry services. Um, what's the timeline for that? How is that looking? Uh, I'll have to follow up with our HR partner to see when that uh, will be available. But it's something that we've been working on for a number of months already. So I'm hoping that we're close to sealing that up. Okay, I think those are all my questions for now. Thank you. I just want to um, kind of, before I wrap up here, is, um, you know, we're extending um, Care First, Jail's last work an additional five months. We discussed the reappointment of the commissioners to that body. Um, also, this ties into the RAJ works. I am looking forward to once those projects move into implementation phase, I think it's gonna be really important to keep those conversations going. So I'm really impressed with the start here. Thank you. Um, thank you, President Miley. And I also wanna echo my um, appreciation for the collaboration between the multiple departments that brought um, uh, this fine-tuned effort uh, because you know, obviously it, it takes your brain trust to, to get us to this point to be able to adapt to the changes in the needs and how we best serve those in our care at Santa Rita Jail and also applying the best practices in providing the mental health care for those at Santa Rita Jail. And uh, I'm especially gratified to learn uh, of the programs that are being put in place uh, through our CAT team and crisis intervention to divert people so they don't end up at Santa Rita Jail. And I was hoping that you could comment on the effectiveness of these programs and how long they've been in place, because I know many cities are piloting these programs and they're also trying to uh, secure funding so that um, we can do what uh, you had set out with in terms of diversion programs. Yes, thank you, Supervisor, both for the feedback uh, and the question. Uh, we are actually tracking pretty much every metric related to those programs, and we have seen um, tremendous successes from a decrease, which we'll defer to the sheriff to speak to in terms of recidiv recidivism to the jail, per se, but we have seen a decrease in the jail. We have seen a decrease in individuals that come in contact with these alternatives, um, supports to in John George. We've seen a decrease in the number of 5150 hospitalizations, and we've seen an increase in utilization of the programs overall. Um, the, so we are tracking those metrics. We are also tracking qualitative feedback from the actual participants and the clients that are served in the program. So they can essentially tell us, are we getting it right, whether or not the metric shows it. And they, too, are speaking um, to the effectiveness of, of case management, support, follow-up, and some advocacy. And so to that end, we've, we've spoken about it in the presentation. We're trying to expand and reach and better support the family members and others that have given feedback 
as well as uh, vocational supports. Uh, we have a uh, literally an award-winning um, employment division in our department, so we have been trying to also link that with our forensic work because they have given us feedback to finding uh, stable employment and to be able to navigate post-release have been impor important. So yes, they've been very successful. That's very good to hear. Um, obviously, a lot of these programs, whether it's family support, providing uh, workforce training and development, that takes funding. And can you just comment on you know, some of the potential changes that might come down the pipe from the state and how that might affect our ability to expand on these programs that you just said are proven to be effective? Yes. Um, I'll start with the programs uh, Juan Taizan also mentioned from the state. We did receive an infusion of capital facility, and uh, county departments, including ourselves, will be required to provide the ongoing service. Uh, for the facilities that we're building, they require a 30-year uh, commitment of funding for the services. Uh, with uh, uh, the pending legislation, I'll start with uh, SB 43, for example, that your board has approved us by 2026 to uh, delay implementation that will change the way that people are uh, placed on a 5150 or 5585 if they're a youth. That will expand the number of individuals that our services will have to touch and support, including substance use populations and including people who are at risk for their uh, psychiatric or other type of medical need that would preclude them from caring for themselves. That is a philosophical benefit, but the challenge is you've reference specifically with Prop 1 passing means that we actually will have less uh, funds available to the department to sustain some of those programs at face value. So uh, the program and expansion to crisis services, we have been funding. Uh, we initially were granted an innovations grant from the state. We then moved it to permanent image-safe funding, which uh, for our intensive purposes, and I recall it was uh, Supervisor Miley as well that was uh, directed us to really look at sustaining our cat. We have done that. So there is jeopardy there if, if Prop 1 passes. So our responsibility now is reshifting to make sure that the system that we've tried to build over the last several years is sustained and prioritizing to make sure that people are still receiving the care because the outcomes show that it's working what we've been doing. But that is correct. Thank you. Anybody else? Because I know I have some comments. As if, so, okay, Supervisor Carson, then Albert, then I will make some remarks. Yeah, a, a couple of questions and then a comment um, to the sheriff. What's the average length of stay? If you were to put an average length of stay, that your population is out at Santa Rita. It ranges between 28 and 32 days. Okay. And then also, if you were to describe the population in terms of serious crimes versus offenses. Well, I mean, we have a number of people that are in custody and that are held in custody for mostly violent felonies. Uh, we really don't hold on to misdemeanors for very long. They're generally OR'd or given another court date to come back. Uh, to to fight their case, but it's generally are your felonies, your violent felonies that are in custody, and I, w I would say it's about eighty percent. Thank you. You know, I you know, in the thirteen months that you've been there, you probably have taken on a Herculean task, um, and I say that because of the fact that you, on some level, inherited 
a structure and you're looking at changing it. And, um, and there's a lot of guidelines that you have to follow in order to do it. So you do have some discretion, but you don't have total discretion on all of these changes. So I applaud you in terms of what you outlined as the direction that you, you want to go. Are some of these, uh, on some of these programs that you highlighted, as opposed to waiting for the full construction, there'll probably be some implementation of some of these programs prior to full implementation full construction, is that, is that right or wrong? Because you're in the process now of kind of changing some of the I'm sorry, the I didn't programs. hear the question. I, I, I'm trying to get a sense of uh, some of, not waiting for the full implementation of this program, but the part in terms of changing some of the programs that you currently have in place that you're changing in the jails. How, how are you looking at that? Onboarding these new programs. So, you know, identifying space for additional programs is going to be, you know, that's something that we're talking about right, right now, uh, and not only sharing the space with our behavioral health team, but also with our community-based organizations, because the community-based organizations that are working with behavioral health right now, or healthcare services, are some of the same uh, CBOs that we would like to partner with as well. So getting everybody together in the same space, I think, is going to be a benefit for all. Uh, there's... There's definitely space that we need to reimagine in our facility, and that's what we're doing with our GSA partners and our behavioral health team as far as how we can occupy that space um, as a team and not as individual entities providing service. Yeah. Again, I, I want to applaud everybody for um, the direction that we're outlining. I fully uh, support the concept that you're laying out uh, and especially the fact that we are aligning um, individuals who've had lived experience, their impacted families and community to be kind of uh, the support system in and outside of incarceration, because I think it takes that kind of continuity and that seems to be a part of what you're laying out here as a plan. Um, I, I, the thing that is in the back of my head is that <clears throat> while uh, what we're experiencing in the Bay Area and see every night on the news is something that's happening all across the country. It's not just here, right? And the attitudes seem to be continuing to develop on a national level, especially in places of influence, that we need to kind of get back tough on crime uh, as we're attempting to totally change the way we approach uh, the criminal justice system that's been in place uh, for hundreds of years in this country. And so um, I'm, I'm real appreciative uh, that we have department heads that are in the leadership of attempting to um, in, employ these new approaches that are starting to show some evidence that they work before we start getting back tough on crime and having to pull back because the pullback is not the intent to continue to go forward. The pullback is all of a sudden policies and funding that goes to support the projects that you have are redirected towards more incarceration and more containment. So again, I want to applaud um, all of you who uh, are looking futuristically in this direction. Yeah, I really appreciate the comments around um, the entire system and working together uh, as a team, 
because it is uh, complex. And uh, increasing our support upon post-release. Um, we've talked about it. It's nearly impossible to rent a place to live. Very difficult to find a job. People end up homeless and in more despair and back in the system again. On the front end, creating jobs so that people can make a living. Rent of space to live. Sustain themselves. If all the pieces of the system, as we call it, are working well, we can get better. And if any one piece of the system fails, we all fail. So what I heard today is that we're really working on pieces that maybe existed in the past, maybe are brand new, or maybe are um, we're going to do a better job at. We have to. And so that's what I heard. And as I've said before, the people that we hire to do this job, it's all about the people, and that we have uh, them fired up to do a great job because people's lives truly depend upon it. And so um, I'm excited to hear what we're doing. I see the shift from in the jail to outside the jail, and I think it's the right way to go. So um, Godspeed to all of us doing this, and um, let's attack this with a moral imperative and a sense of urgency. Thank you. All right. So I have some comments and maybe some questions, but first of all, let me just start off by thanking Behavioral Health, Healthcare Services Agency, GSA, County Administrator, County Council, Sheriff, for all the work that you've done to get us to this point, because it has been a, a lengthy journey uh, along the way, I would say starting prior to 2015. Uh, I know the timeline starts at 2015, but really uh, this started prior to 2015. And the, um, what's been laid out here today, this question to County Council, what's been laid out today does conform with, the, with what we need to do under ba BABU, right? Okay, okay, thank you. Just want to get that on the record. Um, and then I think, I don't think there's any, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Any doubt when it comes to me that I put public safety first. Public safety always is a paramount. I mean, if folks don't feel safe, um, then um, I don't think government's doing its job. And that safety ju isn't just in the community, it's safety when people are in Santa Rita jail as well. I mean, people have gotta be safe and both those who are um, in Santa Rita jail happen to be incarcerated there need to feel a sense of safety. Um, and they need to also receive the necessary services if they are uh, happen to be incarcerated and have um, um, a behavioral health type of concern, whether it's mental uh, substance or uh, dual diagnosis. Uh, and so what I value is that um, I'm always going to back law enforcement as long as they're doing their jobs professionally and constitutionally. So with the new sheriff, clearly having the new sheriff's input on this and the sheriff 
was formerly the commander, and and it's been pointed out in the presentation, there are things now that we could consider doing that we couldn't consider doing under the former administration. Is that correct, Sheriff Sanchez? Uh, well, I, I can say that I can, I know that previously there was an ask for us to utilize existing space in the jail to build out for some of the services to be delivered. And in doing so, we potentially could reduce the capacity of that jail. And I'm open to that. Um, we, we do have a large jail. It has a 3,700 plus capacity right now. Uh, as long as we're responsible and we can forecast whether how this pendulum will swing as far as um, maybe our population going up or down depending on legislation uh, or new state you know, laws through legislation, we have to be ready for that as well. So making sure that we, we plan appropriately with our teams to identify space that we can let go of, um, then you know, we're, being, we're being responsible in doing so. But yes, I mean, that, that definitely was a concern. And mm -hmm. although I have to be concerned about it as well, I do believe that we should be utilizing existing space to deliver services, because I, I believe that the services that are going to be delivered will reduce our population. Mm -hmm. And I think we found out that the population at the jail has gone down. It's a facility that could accommodate about 4,000. Population has gone down. And now um, the current sheriff, uh, as well as the, uh, the ability to deliver services, we've discovered that uh, the services need to be delivered in the, the pods or in the housing units where the um, um, uh, folks who are incarcerated are, are, are there. Uh, that's something else that has kind of become part of our understanding. And uh, the adjustments that the, sh the sheriff has made in terms of making space available will still accommodate whatever um, circumstances we find ourselves in, whether the pendulum continues to swing back towards more you know, tough on crime or not. But the point is we still have sufficient capacity. So the mere fact that uh, we're changing our thinking around needing the mental health facility, I think is based on a number of, of factors that have been um, provided to us over the past uh, few, few years since the board did that first vote back in 2015 for a new mental health state-of-the-art facility. I think had looking forward into a crystal ball, had the board at that point in time knew everything that we presently know, and with as super, some of the supervisors have pointed out, with the present personnel who are in place doing the work now, uh, maybe that vote wouldn't have gone the way it went. But hey, fast forward, where we are today, it's, it's good that we, we haven't expended a significant amount of resources in going ahead and constructing a new state-of-the-art facility. In fact, we've only expended about three, $3 million, right? Yeah, about $3 million. Um, and the funding from the state, we're not going to be able to uh, access that funding because we're going in another direction. But we're going to need funding since we're going in another direction that's going to have to come out of the county's general fund to ensure that we have the ability to provide both the services and whatever modifications out at the jail that need to take place. Is that correct? That's correct, sir. Yes. Okay. Then... Um, the, the behavioral health staff, I think, have come up with a, a number of measures that are going to be offered inside the jail. Now, it's my understanding 
these measures are relatively new in the creation. Um, we, we weren't contemplating them in 2015, maybe, but they came about as, as a result of some of the thinking, some of the laws and, and funding and other things. They came about uh, roughly 2018, 2019. When, when was this considered? Oh, sorry. Around uh, fall of, in the winter of, right before the pandemic, as well as 2020, and that's when we did come to your board for approval, which you granted, thankfully, to create the director position, Juan Tainzau's position. And so, yes, we were looking at the trends, a, a better way to utilize staff and, and better functionality. And so, yes, we've been putting in different programs into place, and thankfully, and they, they are consistent with the uh, consent decree as well. Okay. And then I just think the one thing that begs the question, Dr. Dribble, and, and you know I've got all the respect in the world for you and your leadership of the department. Um, I've been pushing hard for the implementation of community forensic mental health. And a lot of the stuff that we're prescribing here is if, if we do it both um, in the community and if we do it inside January Jail and if we do it upon release, it should reduce the number of, of folks going to Santa Rita Jail um, uh, and or uh, ending back up in Santa Rita Jail as a result of some mental um, situation. So why didn't we uh, implement this sooner, these, these, these community strategies? Well, uh, I think when I recall you asking, even in the context of the forensic plan, um, you, your question was, how soon can you implement this? If you were given funds, could you implement immediately? And my response, which is consistent today, is as soon as we receive funds and are able to fund something, we can implement. And for us, time is of the essence. People's lives, which I think your board is clearly aware and appreciate that, are important to us. And so whatever funds we were able to get, whether it was through us or a contractor provider, we've been systematically implementing. Uh, the longer-term programs, the capital, the ones to build, uh, we have partners now that are willing to build at a very swift pace co comparatively. Uh, so I think there is a will, and whenever there was a way, we implemented. I, I, I can't speak historically for prior uh, leadership and approaches, but um, the time is now, and it has been yesterday. So we have, that is why uh, I've been focused on that, and, as well as our team and leadership. Okay. Because I think uh, I, for one, still would have voted to provide additional resources for staffing from the Sheriff's Department and clinicians and behavioral health that we voted on in 2020. 2020. I still think that was the right thing to do. But based on what, I'm, what we're getting today and what we've examined as a result of conversations uh, and new thinking and new leadership, um, the fact that we are no longer in need of the, of the facility, I think, um, you know, I feel that was a vote that we could have um, avoided had we known what we know today. Um, but and I do, th yes, go ahead. I'm sorry, and yes, uh, the, just affirming that, and I think I mentioned before, uh, statutorily and it just for a sense of humanity, uh, we should be providing individuals who are suffering in jail, particularly if they have a mental health issue with support. So your approval did enable us to do many of the coordinated programs that we're speaking to, including uh, 
uh, the work that Juan does across the system. So without that, we would not have had a path forward easily to make some of the changes that we're seeing and even reflected in the new program. So that it, that is accurate. And again, it is by law required that we do some of the things that are appropriate uh, wherever people are. Mm -hmm. And then how did the pandemic uh, affect your ability to, to move ahead with some of the th measures that you're contemplating? Um, well, the most salient feature is around resources and staffing. Um, people, as I'm sure your board is aware of, the pandemic shifted us in many different directions. You couldn't have people come as fluently, and some people did not want to come and, and, and locked or other facilities, so that was difficult. Um, nevertheless, we did, and which we're very proud of, launch several different new programs during the pandemic. As I mentioned, CAT, Safe Landing. So for us, we were we just literally tried to figure out how we could do it, uh, but it certainly impacted our ability to recruit and retain staff. The pandemic did. Okay. And I think, and I've kind of been um, saying this, and I think there's universal support for something like this, I think, but I'll speak for myself. Um, that we need to constantly be working on um, approaches that look at prevention, upstream approaches, intervention, as well as law enforcement. And I do think this is a, um, uh, a what we're doing here is a um, holistic effort at trying to both reduce the number of folks that end up in, in Santa Rita Jail that have some type of mental health, behavioral health type of concern, but if they do end up there, provide them with the appropriate services uh, and then what you've added now is to make sure that upon release, it's not, you know, they're not ending up back in there. We have the community facilities. We have the clinicians to, to work with them so they can continue their, their recovery and their journey of recovery. And I think all that's kind of new um, holistic approach that we really ha haven't had in place um, in the past. And, and, and quite frankly, it's not totally in place just yet. We're still trying to get all of this functioning because I know the sheriff mentioned she wants to hire another, what's it called, a reentry person? Reentry director, yeah, which I think is really, really fantastic. So I think those are um, some of my observations and comments on what was presented today. Uh, and does the, I know this is an informational report. At, uh, just want to ask the county administrator or um, GSA, because I know GSA said uh, maybe we'll be taking up um, the, the budget matter when we get to the budget, but are there any, any actions that we need to take up over the next few months, or are, are we, everything just going to kind of play itself out? How, how, how are we proceeding forward from today based on this informational report? So we are um, putting the master plan for the short and medium term solutions together, and we're, um, we'll bring it to your board for discussion in the spring with some um, rough order magnitude cost estimates. And then uh, based on direction that we receive and to move forward, we will um, work to put it in the capital plan for, that your board approves in the, for the new fiscal year. Okay, very good, very good. Supervisor Carson. Yeah, just a, a little bit of follow-up on that last question. 
Um, because again, we started this process and before 2015. Um, I know though the board is doing a lot of informative informational items that come up and then they come back and we have to take some action on them after we've heard them. So we hear them several times, um, like the Gaza issue today and the rental housing issue today and all of those issues. Um, does this prohibit um, or delay the implementation of some of the things that I heard the sheriff say she wants to put in place? And I'm saying that because some of those programs that she's, she outlined are part of the continuum of, of re-entry, re-assimilation, as well as improving the skill set for people who are there. So th does that come separate or does that come as a package? So I, I can answer to that. We are going to, I mean, our, our building out of some of the programming, uh, adding to the programming that was previously existing, it's not, this moving in this direction will not impact it at all. Uh, we've already planned for, I mean, there are two different sets. There was mental health, a focus on mental health services being delivered by the mental health building, but we already have in play uh, where we've identified spaces to have our vocational or apprenticeship programs built out, and that we're also working with our labor teams, our building construction trades labor teams to see if they could assist us with identifying new buildings or space to put on our campus to expand that even further. This, this does not impact anything that we're doing. Thank you. And I know this was mentioned earlier. I think maybe Supervisor Tam might have mentioned it. I just want to reemphasize, uh, and uh, the Director of Baby Health mentioned this, the, the interventions and the measures that we are contemplating out at Santa Rita Jail um, are presently moving forward and some are prospective. Um, the, the, the concern is if Proposition 1 passes, which is for housing and we need housing, but the funds coming from mental health, we're going to need to make sure we're able to continue um, providing the support for these intervention measures uh, as a result of losing mental health dollars to housing. And we're not trying to pit housing against mental health treatment. We need both, quite frankly. But that's going to be the, the challenge for the board if Proposition 1 passes. And I know uh, there's efforts afoot and, um, with our, our supervisors and others, county administrator, to continue to try to see how we can get additional resources to Proposition 1 pass. But I think that's going to be a very important piece of this um, equation because we can't afford to kind of go in reverse. We've got to be able to sustain what we have in place and what we're projecting to put in place. And then I know um, the sheriff has been steadfast on focusing your attention on mandated responsibilities. Uh, and the jail is a mandated responsibility. I don't think any of us would uh, deny there have been issues out of the jail. Um, and, and your focus has been steadfast on that and not necessarily um, utilize, you know, putting your attention on other things outside of your mandated responsibilities. Would you want to say anything about that at all? Yeah, I, I definitely, you know, I, I hear the calls for assistance outward um, as far as having the sheriff's office providing services uh, contractually. 
but I, I cannot entertain and I won't entertain uh, adding law enforcement service contracts to our plate uh, because number one, it's non-essential and our essential services, our mandated services have been uh, um, not the focus, I guess, uh, in years past. And I'm making that a focus because we've seen that if we don't really invest in our facility and the people that are providing services in the facility, then we're going to have issues that we've seen in the past and litigation that we've seen and we're still seeing. Okay, thank you, Sheriff. And then the final thing I think I'll say is um, the resource, we'll know next Tuesday and thereafter whether or not Proposition 1 passes. Um, and if it does pass, uh, the, the, once again, the challenge for the county is how we're going to continue these services, sustain them, and as well as provide the additional services that are contemplated. And I know we're painfully aware of the fact that the state has, what, a is it $72 billion deficit? Yeah, Keith, you want to use them? Want to use your mic? We, we, we won't know until the May revise comes out what the, the numbers are, really. But the uh, January uh, that, the, that the governor went on record with at that time and the finance director went on record with at that time was about 30-some billion dollars, and it continues to um, be challenged in terms of where it is today, uh, uh, upward as opposed to neutral or downward. And so I just want to get that on the, f on the floor for the public to, to be cognizant of the fact that the state having a, a huge deficit um, the county, you know, we need to obviously balance our budget, and typically, the, well, the state balances its budget on the, you know, uh, the backs of cities and counties. So, like Supervisor Carson said, we're waiting to see what the May revise is and how much uh, the deficit's going to be for the state, and then how they balance their budget and what impact that's going to have on the county, because that could put us in a further uh, challenging situation uh, financially in terms of how we're going to make all this. Um, how all we're going to make all this work, because uh, I do think uh, none of us want to see, see see this not work, but that's going to add an additional uh, layer of, of challenge for us. On the board, the, the largest amount of our budget deficit for this county in one calendar year was $172 million, $172 million gap that we had to fill in one year. Okay, so now let's see what speakers we have on this item. And uh, I know the advocates have been pushing hard for um, us to make some changes. And um, today we've kind of laid out what's on the horizon to come. And appreciate the advocates in terms of their steadfastness on this and their focus and attention on this. And hopefully this informational update has been um, of benefit. Let's call the speakers. Please state your name and the city you live in. You will have two minutes to speak. Christina, you're on the line. Christina? Please unmute your mic. Oh, 
okay. Um, I wanted to make a comment on item number three. Um, okay. Um, funding is important for providers to continue to serve children, especially oh, from excuse low income homes. Excuse me. Uh, we have passed that item already, and oh, we've heard okay. we've heard comment on that. What we're on is item seventy point one, uh, the an informational item dealing with Santa Rita. Santa Rita Jail uh, Mental Health Project and Services. Thank you. That's all. Jesse Burleson. Hello. I was going to actually walk up here and pass on my turn <laughs> um, because I don't have an objection to anything in the discussion that occurred today, right? Um, but um, I was here to speak to the issue of what we were discussing before in relation to this about independent counsel. And I know we're past that to a degree, but um, it's still a concern of, of if I may. Excuse me. So we're on the item dealing with the jail. Now, if there'll be public comment on non-agenda items, so you can speak on that on a, as a non-agenda item when we conclude. But not right now? Not right now. Okay, that's fine. And uh, I just, you know, I, I think she's going to do a good job. You know what I mean? I've, I've uh, been in her presence in a, in a meeting before. Uh, and, you know, I like what's happening. I think that Personally, nothing personal to you. I think that the sheriff's department has a general cultural apathy due to its functions when it comes to uh, the well-being and development of human beings to the point where it would serve us well as a community to maybe have not an oversight, but less on the plate of the sheriff herself where she could focus on security issues, but the implementation of certain services should be actually headed up from the top down by a different type of qualification uh, coming maybe from the uh, Department of Health uh, and the Departments of Education. I'd like to see them involved at, with uh, overseeing the jails. Thank you. Patricia, you're on the line. Patricia, please unmute your mic. I'm sorry, I was I had my hand up from way back when we were going to talk about uh, Supervisor Miley's uh, heart Happy Heart Month. So. Uh, we, we seem to have skipped by all of that. So I'm waiting for the general comments. Robert, you're on the line. Robert Williams, please unmute your mic.
There are no additional speakers. Okay. All right. Okay, so this was an informational item. And I believe, because items 70.2, 70.3, and 70.4, that both, all three of those items were continued by Supervisor um, Halbert until May 12th? March 26th. Oh, it's not May. And they were continued until March 26th? March 26th. Your, your second regular meeting to follow this one. Wow, okay. Okay, so those three items are, are continued until March 26th. All right, so I think we've come to the end of our agenda for today, so I want to take public comment on non-agenda items, and after we take public comment, the Board of Supervisors is going to go back into closed session. So we're taking comments on non-agenda items, and I don't know if County Council wants to report out on any closed session items at this point in time as well. I, I can hold it since I'll have to report out when we come back out of when we return from closed sessions. Jesse Burleson. All right, thank you. <laughs> Um, now that that's cleared up, yes, uh, on the issue of independent counsel, um, we know the ins and outs already about the argument of conflicts of interest. I would like to suggest or propose uh, that the supervisors uh, open up to the idea of possibly allowing the people themselves to provide counsel for the space uh, if not funded by the council, if not funded by the board, uh, then maybe the board can pass, uh, you know, a ruling that will allow for still the implementation or the creation of independent counsel uh, provided either by the board or alternatively by the people who can provide and produce counsel according to criteria established or set by the board. Uh, for that purpose, as an idea to fulfill the the needs on both sides, right? So one side needs oversight, should have counsel. Maybe something comes up, right? And then there's the ideological belief that there could be conflicts of interest depending on what came up. So ideally, independent counsel should exist. However, the mechanisms once we get there is the problem. So if it's a fiscal issue, a fiscal matter, that maybe can be resolved by the people, you know, as we resolve it through elections, we can also come together amongst ourselves and figure out who we would like to be our independent counsel uh, on the, for the oversight board. So that's something I just like to put on the table for the board to consider. Thank you. Jackie, you're on the line. Please state your name. Thank you. Uh, just a quick note before I start speaking. Uh, I had my hand up on uh, number item 69, and I was never called. So uh, you can go ahead and start my time now. I'm going to speak to that item right now. Um, we warned that there was proof that the Pfizer uh, COVID vaccine caused heart damage in teens and young adults as early as May of 2021. 
And as more information surfaces from the court-mandated release of the Pfizer clinical trial documents by the FDA and FOIA emails, the CDC's cover-up of evidence of the COVID-19 mRNA shots associated with myocarditis in minors becomes increasingly serious. For example, during the same time period that the CDC was repeatedly advising parents to get their children vaccinated against COVID-19, Pfizer was secretly testing for markers of heart damage in vaccinated kids. They looked for troponin-1 in minors, and the heart damage occurs troponin-1 if protein gets released into the bloodstream. Pfizer ran a study called Phase 2-3, obtaining serum samples for potential troponin-1 testing. The study, which started in September 2021, was carried out in two age groups in order to collect blood samples for potential troponin testing. The younger age group will be placebo-controlled, meaning you will receive either an active vaccine or placebo. The older group received active vaccine. Shortly after the initial release of the Pfizer documents in April 2022, Dr. Peter Nicola, world-renowned cardiologist, wrote his first report, which presented compelling evidence that Pfizer and the FDA were both aware of myocarditis caused potential of mRNA COVID vaccine. Subsequent research by the late German pathologist, Dr. Arne Bernhardt, confirmed that myocarditis was caused by the mRNA injection. He revealed that the presence of spike protein in the myocardium of autopsied patients who had died suddenly, as well as revealing scarring as a result of autoimmune effects. It is important that next time this board is receiving an ask for funding for COVID-19 vaccines, it's important that you will consider the death sentence you're supporting. Connie? Good evening. <clears throat> My name is Karine Pereira Bowers, and I'm the director of Youth Spirit Artworks and also a member of the Oakland United Coalition. I'm here today to urge you all to take action towards conversations and decision making that will support future development and to secure outcomes that will benefit the community when it comes to the use and potential development of the Coliseum. The community is ready to participate in those conversations and are longing for your action and support. Thank you. Don, you're on the line. Hi, my name is Don Kawamoto, and I'm a property owner. I have a rental. Excuse me, I'm just playing with my camera here. Um, I'm a um, rental housing provider, and I wanted to talk about the just cause eviction and also the rental housing dispute resolution. Um, and since they're no longer on the agenda today, I'll be back in March. But I did want to say that I would hope the county would share in the responsibility of the burden it's going to put on homeowners like me who is who are also uh renting are also a rental provider. And I would ask that you would consider that anyone, that any uh, rental provider can get a lower property tax should they have to pay the, the additional months of rent that the county would like to seek under this proposal. So it will be a shared financial burden for the homeowner slash landlord and also the county. And it will not just be only 
on the landlord to come up with this additional money that they would have to reimburse uh, a renter, um, especially in the tight financial times that we're in. Additional because, especially because a state is having its deficit, which will impact the county. Uh, the other thing I'm concerned about is a rental housing dispute resolution and how this will be paid because it says even though the county may try and come up with the money to cover the costs of the rental housing dispute uh, resolution program in the first year, it's questionable what will happen in the years after that. I would suggest maybe now is not the good time to go down this path because of the state's situation and wait for a better financial health for the state and the county before proceeding on this program. Thank you. John, you're on the line. Hi, um, John Guerrero, Fremont. The difference between an absentee ballot and a vote by mail ballot. Years, many years ago, decade, 15, 20 years ago, an absentee ballot, you could get it, but you had to actually contact the ROV and say, I want an absentee ballot. And they would send it to you and they would expect one back from you. If they got it in the mail, they knew who would we come, who it came from and they were expecting it. Today, they just come from anywhere because you send ballots to everybody. And so they don't know, you don't contact, there's no control. And so a, a manufacturer of ballots like Runbeck has all the information. They have the voter rolls now. I didn't know that. They have the voter rolls. They could manufacture uh, ballots and they could stuff envelopes. And now we know they can print signatures. They have all of it. And in before it was controlled because you only people who needed to get a ballot, an absentee ballot, they knew where it went and they knew where it came back from. Today, it comes from anywhere. And we have this guy, this company run back who has a very, very bad reputation. They have all the information. They can print up as many ballots as they want, sign them and send them in. And the registrar voters wouldn't know that, you know, they're either, you know, coming from, from voters who never voted before, but now they're voting. Well, not never, but, you know, they're just coming in from anywhere. There's no control. This has got to stop. We can't control it, especially with Runbeck. Runbeck cannot be trusted. There's no control over them anymore. Thank you. Patricia, you're on the line. Patricia, Bibi, um, just want to let you know on October 10th, 2023, AB 626 was signed by the governor and chaptered by the California Secretary of State. As a result, Section 3016.5 was added to the California Election Code and reads as follows. A voter may vote their vote by mail ballot without the identification envelope in person at the polling place designated for the voter's home precinct or at a vote center established pursuant to Section 4005 if all of the following conditions are met. 
The precinct board or vote center election board has real-time access to the county's elections officials' election management system and does both of the following. Verifies the voter has not returned a vote by mail ballot for that election and changes the voter uh, the status of the voter in the election management system from a vote by mail voter to an in-person voter. After the voter's status has been changed, the voter provides their name, address, and signature. The county elections official has established procedures to ensure that a voter who casts a ballot pursuant to this subdivision does not submit more than one vote-by-mail ballot without the identification envelope, and the precinct board or vote center election board complies with those procedures. A ballot cast shall be processed, shall be processed, and counted in the same manner as a non-provisional ballot cast in person at the polling place or vote center. Supervisors, you are hereby officially notified that Alameda County ROV Administration has trained our county poll workers to deny voters their legal right to cast their VBM ballots without an envelope counted in the same manner as a non-provisional ballot at the vote centers. This is an absolute violation of California election law. This is on your watch. Immediately advise Director Tim Dupuy to cease and desist from this unlawful action. The Secretary of State has been advised. Brianna, you're on the line. Brianna Wallace, please unmute your mic. Cindy, you're on the line. Thank you, Cindy Rocha, San Leandro. Um, just so you know, we are still not able to see the timer, those of us who are calling in remotely. So um, it's really pretty pretty disconcerting when we're making our public comments and we don't know where we're at uh, as far as the timer. Uh, but I wanna talk about uh, item 69 that we didn't get a chance to do public comments on, the happy heart thing. Um, I think it's very important that um, you add to the top of your list for a happy heart, just don't let anyone come at you with an experimental jab. I don't think you should let anybody do that because if you do, you're asking for an unhappy heart. But you know what else makes for an unhappy heart? A, a heart that is always ready and willing to take offense at everything. Earlier today in the meeting, I heard one of the supervisors say, well, I'm offended by, I don't even remember what the issue was, but I'm offended. You're, you're five people who have been elected, most of you elected, because you're to take governance seriously and not take everything personally. You're there to, to do the work of the people. And if you're going to be offended by every little thing, well, I, I would suggest that, okay, if you're on your way out, fine, you want to get your jabs in. But that's not exactly the way that governance happens. If you want to be offended by stuff, I'm offended by a lot of things too. I'm offended by the fact that people in your district, and we know who you are, voted to let children vote in elections in Oakland and Berkeley. I'm offended by that. But yet there's nothing I can do about it. I can tell you I'm offended. But you, on the other hand, have some, have, have some way of doing something about it. So go ahead and be offended because another supervisor has called you out 
for wanting to know where the money's coming from. Who's going to pay for that? And I'm glad that Supervisor Halbert at least has the... the Ro, you're on the line. Hi. Yeah. Yes. Are you able to hear me? Yeah. Go ahead. We can hear you. Yeah. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, yeah. Honorable President uh, Millie and Alameda County Supervisors, I want to talk about 70.2 just cause eviction staff report and 70.3 rental housing dispute resolution staff report. I am a housing provider in Alameda County and I'll oppose the just cause eviction proposal. Spe specifically, I oppose new restrictions that would enact the following new provisions. Increased relocation payment to up to five months of monthly contractor rent or HUD's fair market rent, whichever is greater, rent caps, for units, for newly substantially renovated units, restrictions on tenancy terminations during overcrowding, authorization for the county to enact a just cause fee to operate the program, new county noticing requirements in addition to state requirements on tenancy terminations. The ordinance is unnecessary given that the county already has just cause laws from AB 1482 this law was recently strengthened by the state legislature via SB 567. With this new amendment, the county has now, now has authority to enforce statewide AB 1482 and includes new requirements for owner move-in and substantial renovations. Mandating price caps on substantially renovated units will serve as a deterrent to improve the quality of housing stock in the county. This was not included in state law, so I ask that you uh, remove this requirement in the proposal. Please reject the ordinance and consider more equitable measures to increase relocation payments for vulnerable families. The county shouldn't be adding more costs to provide rental housing when many of us are still recovering from years of non-payment of rent that was legalized by the county's overly restrictive eviction moratorium, especially for small mom-and-pop homeowners. Margie, you're on the line. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon. My name is Margie Lewis, and I uh, work with CBE Communities for Better Environment. The community is calling on the Alameda County Board of Supervisors to call on the Oakland Athletics to end their interference with Coliseum events and their obstruction of development at the Coliseum, which will allow for economic growth and development. And the best way that they you can do this is for the A's to sell the Coliseum land that they bought at the price they have paid so far back to the county. The A's have been disingenuous in their negotiating with the community regarding community agreements. If they want a continuation of their lease, we want the county to request that they sell the land back. They have been obstructionist by not responding to groups, trying to develop the Coliseum, and this directly hurts the community. We don't want them to have a lease without community agreements. We need the land back as the A's have been untrustworthy and harmful in their dealing with the community. So please 
do your job for the people and have them and and make them do the right thing. Thank you. Jay, you're on the line. Hello. We can hear you. Here. Thank you. So I just want to talk about the just cause ordinance. It's pretty unfair that mom and pop landlords would need to pay three months worth of relocation assistance considering the fact they've had three years worth of rent withheld from them during the eviction moratorium. In the ordinance section 3.70.070, paragraph C.1, it says that the maximum amount to be paid is no more than $20,000. Mom and pop housing providers should only have to pay no more than $5,000 as they are not flush of cash. Also, California state law already prevents landlords from evicting tenants for no reason given. It also gives relocation payments for that, too. That's all I need to say about that. Thank you. Arletta, you're on the line. Yes, I'm here. Hi, my name is Arlette Hakome. I live in Newark. I want to address the pulling of agenda item 70.4, which was submitted by President Miley, um, which is the proclamation from the Alameda County Board of Supervisors on the conflict in Gaza and Israel. First, I want to correct the framing of this so-called conflict conflict, which truly is an illegal occupation of Palestine by the Zionist entity formerly known as Israel. And the current situation in Gaza is a complete failure of humanity. I come as a constituent who is appalled at the amount of California leadership that is not standing in solidarity with the people of Palestine who are suffering from hunger, from airstrikes, and who have been suffering for more than 75 years at the hands of the Zionist entity. The fact that the agenda item 70.4 was pulled is embarrassing, and I hope this board reconsiders and instead moves to approve a resolution in support for ceasefire, humanitarian aid, and an end to the occupation of Palestine. Most people in Alameda County want the assault on Gaza to end. I understand the board is not involved in foreign affairs, but this will give our constituents, well, your constituents, um, will give them the idea that this present body has moral clarity during this historic and horrific moment in Palestine. Thank you. Aisha, you're on the line. Hi, yes, I am also going to reiterate what Arlette just said um, regarding agenda item 70.4. Um, it's, uh, yeah, the, the fact that it was pulled is, I mean, the, the proclamation was such a benign, basic, below the bare minimum statement of, uh, you know, Alameda County's, um, you know, support of human life and uh, calling for a cessation of hostilities. Um, the bar is really low here. Um, supporting a such a simple statement like that shouldn't be a complicated issue that should be a no-brainer. Um, it does not go far enough. Um, it needs to call for an immediate and permanent ceasefire as this is the only way to stop the killing. It's absolutely 
soul-crushing that nearly five months into the most well-documented genocide in world history, um, we are still struggling to do the bare minimum. Um, all of us who are paying attention have seen too many starved children's dead bodies in the past couple of days, in addition to the nearly five months of daily images of children with their brains blown out or their legs blown off, and our government is directly responsible for all of this. None of this could happen without our taxpayer dollars, which means that each of us on a local level have an obligation to do everything that we can to stop this. Um, so that means calling for a ceasefire. Um, and yeah, again, it's just absolutely pathetic that we can't even seem to do something so simple. Vanessa, you're on the line. Good afternoon. My name is Vanessa Riles, and I'm an East. I'm an Oakland resident who was born and raised in Oakland. I'm currently the Oakland campaign coordinator at East Bay Alliance for a Sustainable Economy, and we are a member of the Oakland United Coalition. We had a press conference this morning because the Fisher family, the owners of the Oakland Athletics, are preventing East Oakland communities from being able to flourish and thrive. The County Board of Supervisors has the power to stop Coliseum Way Partners and the Oakland Athletics ownership from blocking progress in East Oakland communities. The county has the agreement with the Fishers that is allowing them to be a decision maker about what does and doesn't happen in our backyards. Your disposition agreement is allowing the A's ownership to block the flow of needed resources into the East Oakland community. You have the power to change the situation and we are urging you to use that power for the good of the city of Oakland. Please let East Oakland flourish. We need those of you on the JPA to disallow the Oakland Athletics ownership from being able to interfere with Coliseum events. Call on them to end their obstruction of, of equitable development at the Coliseum. Use the current provision in your agreement that allows you to unwind the sale when there is a lawsuit filed. You can do that now. At the very least, please agendize an informational report that looks into the current situation with the A's. Get the report about the effect of, of selling the Coliseum on the bond debt that is required in your agreement. As part of the JPA and when the lease extension comes before you as a board, do not allow a lease extension without them selling their future stake in the Coliseum or at least entering into a cooperation agreement for equitable development of the property. We need you to prevent the A's from continuing to cause harm to East Oakland. Thank you. Caller, you're on the line. Please unmute your mic. Zareth? Yeah, hey, uh, sorry. Thank you for the opportunity. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Yeah, so I want to talk about the ordinance like 70.2 and 70.3. Um, I want to specifically oppose these restrictions that would enact the following new provisions. Uh, this would increase the relocation payment up to five months of monthly uh, contract rent or HUD fair market rent, whichever is greater. Um, I specifically oppose the ordinance basically because this is all on very... Um, Restrict on the mom and pop, uh, uh, mom and pop uh, um, units, and this would very heavily um, impact uh, our like ability to renovate and um, 
have just cause free to operate uh, i want to um oppose these clauses thank you supervisor miley there is no additional speakers i want to thank the speakers thank the speakers who called in during public comment the board of supervisors will now recess back into closed session Recording in progress. All right, the Board of Supervisors back from closed session. Take the roll. Supervisor Halbert. Present. Supervisor Marquez, excused. Supervisor Tam, excused. Supervisor Carson. Present. President Miley. Present. And we'll see if there's any report out from closed session. Yes. I'd like to report um, with respect to item E on your agenda under conference with legal counsel existing litigation. Um, th that matter is now settled, and it's settled in the final amount of $3,600,000, um, and your board also authorized the Director of Risk Management to complete the qualified assignment document that is required to perfect that settlement. Um, that authority was granted um, to, to settle at a meeting that occurred on December 19th, 2023. Um, this Settlement has only now finalized, but um, that was on a vote in closed session of 5-0. With respect to item, I'm sorry, that was item E. With respect to item D, under conference with legal counsel, existing litigation, 
your board authorized the county council to retain and execute a retention agreement with outside council in order to represent the county in this matter, this existing new existing litigation. Um, and that concludes my report of reportable items. All right, thank you. So the Board of Supervisors meeting for February 27th is now adjourned. Recording stopped.